Oh, would you look at that? There's a new episode of the Black Cast on my phone, ready to play right now. Listening to Black Cast. I don't want to watch what's on the TV. iTunes that put on the BC. Podcasts on, no talking to me. Listening to Black Cast. Keep up on comics and movies. Two phone ring, I answer hoodies. I can't talk, call back if you please. Listening to Black Cast. Don't know what you are missing. Damn fine show hosted by Christian. He's just dope, no ass, I'm kissing. Listen in the black cast. Click subscribe on this podcast. You won't be the first, but don't you be last. Listen while you pumping your gas. Listen in the black cast. On this episode, it's Jean Grey talking about the things that she say. So distracted, didn't feed Bay. Listen in the black cast. Met this girl, she smiled in my face. Black cast insulated my place. Had one beer, she brought a whole case. Listen in the black cast. Cops knock on the door and listen. Black cast on, they think I'm Christian. Cops ran off, now I ain't tripping. Listen in the black cast. My point is, listen to this show. Don't need me to tell you it's dope. Rock so hard like Johnny Lithgo. Listen in the black cast. Oh yeah, that's the black cast. It's on the ghost twin TV or whatever. Oh, it's not. Oh, it's on AfterBuzz TV, that's right. But that guy, Christian, you rock! Alright, several Texas had to go take care of some business. But I'm here to say, have a nice day. And listen to the damn show. This is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. Hosted by Christian Blatt. His trusty co-hosts, Will Sterling, Jeff DeRay, and sometimes the lovely Zia Anderson. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Black. Welcome to the Blackcast, except no imitations. Uh, Blackcast number 419. I am here, Christian Blatt, and joining me for the entire show today, Eric Nagel, uh, also known as E-Rock. Uh, and uh, Eric has a show called It's Eric Nagel on iHeartMedia. And he's, of course, uh, over there at Compound Media. But uh, I guess uh, medias. medias. Yeah. Cool. I didn't even realize there were multiple media. I know. Oh, my gosh. See, I, I knew Compound Media when it was a single media. Right. Uh, and uh, right out of the box, uh, Rock620 wants to just give us a what's up, guys. Hi, Rock. That's, that's I what I love Rock. about Rock. Rock wants to make sure that we know he's here, and I appreciate that he's here. So, uh, chat, did you get paid for that? That it pops that, up there, or is that everybody can just pop up? If you have, uh, yeah, if you have this program that I use called StreamYard, you can uh, you can bring up uh, any of the comments. It's the main reason to use it, and it's why streaming live on Zoom is, uh, well, I would say that the cool kids aren't doing it. You know, uh, mm. and uh, StreamYard's where it's at. But you know, somebody's definitely a StreamYard rookie if they're using the free version, and then the logo with the little duck on it is burned into the corner of their videos. That's when you know that they don't care that much about the content that they're providing for free. They're like, "Well, I don't want to. I want to spend like fifty dollars a year." You know, right. I just so. Uh, but no duck burned in here. Uh, Aren't no. you worried about uh, like you get to choose what shows up there for the comments, or is it yeah. just anybody does? No, no, no. I, I get to choose. Oh, okay, I was going to say because you know, in this world that we live in, flying fast and loose like that really yeah. can open you up to a lot of platforms that'll get you uh, banned. 
Yeah. And uh, one of the shows that uh, I started over at uh, After Buzz that I've continued to do on my YouTube channel uh, used to be called The Trump Report. Uh, we've gone with the very whimsical Biden time as a title. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the comments in there, uh, let's just say a semi sonic parody for Biden time. <laughs> you know, if I if I had at my disposal, the, uh, you know, the 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 resources to hire one of those uh, knockoff bands, I would love to have uh, that kind of a song. But uh, some of the comments on the political show, let's just say it's great that uh, I control whether or not they go up on the screen. Yeah, of <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not even just the political stuff. Yeah. You can just have something simple like a like a kid's toy unboxing. And it's like, did you see that feed? All the racial slurs that were showing up and the kid was just opening yeah. new Transformers. But this is why we can trust Rock. We can always put his comments up. He's pointing out it could get very dangerous to just have him out there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, there's something to be said for that. Anyway, uh, Eric, I have, uh, you know, we've professionally traded messages together, but I don't think I've ever actually talked to you before. I've um, uh, Mostly via text. Yeah, through our uh, mutual cohort Zia Anderson. Yeah, which uh, uh, happened, but yeah, yeah and face to face like this. No, I know, and uh, it's uh, it's. Uh, but I've 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 listened to uh, your show before, and as you mentioned, our friend Zia Anderson is uh, one of the regulars on uh, It's Eric Nagel, and uh, I I used to do a show about Marvel movies over at uh, well, it was After Buzz slash Popcorn Talk with Zia, right. and I I would make her stay after every week, and like, well, you're on the broadcast now. And then she started doing your show. So that was her excuse for like, oh, you know, I can only give you like half an hour. I have to be home for. Uh, well, if it makes you feel any better now, she's on the Chip Chipperson yeah. show. So she can only do about <laughs> half an hour of our show. Too. Yeah. You know what? I think that that's fair. Uh, you know, I think we know where the hierarchy is. Uh, we, right. we she's a all, hot commodity. Yeah, she's a very hot commodity. Uh, and, you know, if, if uh, Chipper comes calling, you know, if, if Chip calls you to be on his show in the middle of this, I'm not going to take offense. I'll understand. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> wow. How did that happen? Did well, just log in there and turn off my camera. What happened? Yeah, Chip, Chip didn't want people to see. you. <laughs> That's really weird. I I didn't do anything. I know. It's uh, I thought at first I thought it was for comedic effect, but that's all no. Right. Yeah. Is it on? It's, yeah, there it is. Back. Yeah. That I was mean, right here. I I didn't yeah. touch anything. So and you obviously have a great setup there for your show because I you know do that too. I love the '70s Brady Bunch wall paneling. <laughs> and did you draw those uh, rhinoceroses yourself back then? Yes, that's actually mine. And and behind me is uh, it's the original, it, well, not the original, but the drawing is is of the original map of Disneyland. So it's oh, like I it was like, you know GTA Four. <laughs> no, that's if we if I was sitting over there on that wall. There's gotcha. uh, yeah, that's uh, you know my son's five, so he's only on GTA Two at this I'm point. Curious as to where how your desk is just centered in the middle of whatever room this is because you got a staircase right there that looks yeah like, right and yeah then you have open space behind you so I just uh, where is the like flow of this room are you just like in the walkway where everyone comes down the stairs and has to go to the kitchen but dad's sitting right there yeah well laptop doing a podcast fortunately my kids are uh, at preschool and uh, there have been times where my wife comes down the stairs so that's why I usually have it moved like that so you can come and go. So I'm in, I'm just in the dining room at the at the table because I can really spread out with my computer and my uh, semi fancy blue yeti microphone, you know, nothing uh, that compares to uh, what, you know, you've actually got it on the arm, you've got the the monitor behind you, you know, it's right. uh, it's something that that the rest of us are all very envious of when we see your setup. Uh well, it's still it's not fully done yet. There's still more to go. Right. Uh, but I've just been doing it in bits and pieces because sometimes uh, equipment is not available. Um, it's yeah. not 
know, I can't buy it. It's just, it's not there. They don't have it in stock because when this whole, uh, pandemic hit everyone felt they could be a podcaster or everyone <laughs> felt they could do radio or do some sort of television yeah and bought all the equipment that normal people would be using and it's not even stuff that's like really lavish it's just simple like you know y splitting cables you know or yeah. my um capture card kind of thing something simple and all this stuff's gone and when i knew it was bad was you know a month into the pandemic staples had end caps it said for podcast equipment all these signs <laughs> like it, you walked into a sam goody and there was a new album out you know yeah they, all that, you look in there and it's like it's all these shitty little you know tripod um stands uh the ring lights webcams yeah. all these i mean if it's fine to start with but if you've been doing it for a while you you do want to eventually upgrade but you couldn't even get the good like the good stuff jumped up like some of these yeah. AT cameras uh, and camcorders and stuff jumped back up over a thousand when they weren't a thousand dollars because everyone felt like, oh, this is how I'm going to work now. I'll just do this. And the interesting thing, of course, is, you know, you're talking about how all the people who have started podcasts are doing radio from home and they have the professional equipment. My thing that I'm much more impressed by is that 11 months in the people who still just use the built in microphone in their laptop. And, you know, it's uh, and, and and a lot of the times you'll see guests like regular guests on, you know, shows like the shows over there on on compound medias uh, and, you know, right. stuff on I was just dealing with. That's OK. I didn't no, don't worry about it. Uh, but I was quite stuff. But uh, you know, and and shows on Sirius and stuff. You know, like comedians who are like this. These people do a lot of media and a lot of appearances. Mm -hmm. You'd think that one of these microphones would uh, would be worth an investment. But uh, uh, yeah, I've been saying you've been listening to my show. I've been I've been screaming about this for the longest time, and <laughs> really, the, the most guilty of them was Howard Stern, because. Yeah. The guy has look. He's had an, he's had a studio that I've been in an awe with, even since the K Rock days. You know all his yeah, sure. versions of his studios. You're like, wow, that looks amazing. That looks amazing. All the setup. I wish I could have something like that. I wanted that for. I mean, we all wanted that for O and A, but we only got so much because the company didn't want us or anybody having exactly what he had. But sure. Um, the pandemic happens. He's off for a while. I don't know if he was on vacation or he just took off. But he comes back first day into the pandemic. Nobody's in New York. He went off to his house in the, in the Hamptons. He's living yeah. there. They're all on laptops. They're all just staring at a laptop like the camera built into the laptop. And that's how they're talking all on like a Zoom call. And that's what it was. A guy who makes $100 million a year <laughs> was just looking into a laptop and everybody's on a Zoom call uh, for his show. And I'm sitting there. How does you not have a setup built like I, I can understand you like, oh, I don't want to, when I leave work, I don't want to do work at sure. home. I get that. But for what we do, for what television does, it's really not a bad investment to spend the money to have that there. So when you have a snow day and you can't get to work, or if you have an emergency, a hurricane happens, something, you can patch in and still do something. It looks responsible on your end, right? And I know a lot of high level broadcasters who do have their stuff. Sean Hannity showed me a, a years ago showed me a layout of some of the stuff he had he has a house down in florida and a house somewhere else that i'm forgetting and then you know his house up here in new york yeah sure. and the one down in florida he has it in a, in a room with a big window that has the the uh the tinted gel on it so you could see the water behind him um like the news would do and he can do his radio show and his fox news stuff from there you know you have the money you should have a studio built in every one of your houses Howard's talking into a, you know, a $600 HP laptop 
and he doesn't have anything. And then he's telling Sirius, he's like, well, I'm not coming back into the city and I'm not doing another show until they get engineers out here to build my studio. Yeah. And, and when he first already, when he, he did his first uh, remote shows. He, he, even he was on zoom. I, I, yeah. I like they hadn't even, you know, because he has obviously always been somebody that's uh very germ phobic. So when they did come out and put yeah, equipment in, they had to, you know, he does a show three days a week, God bless him Monday through Wednesday. Right. And so then somebody came on a Wednesday and then they were off the next week and like the, they had to drop off the equipment, let it sit there for 72 hours. And, you know, just, Somebody yeah. comes in in like a hazmat suit. And yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, eventually they had it and, you know, it certainly sound better, but everybody else on his show, you know, you'd think that, uh, you know, you'd think that the, the producers who regularly get airtime would, you know, I'm not talking about some of the more fringe characters, but yeah, you'd think that, you know, you'd think that Gary Delabate would have a setup in his house, just like yours, you know, at least, you know, if not more. I, th I it's funny when they were trying to figure it out. Now, look, I'm not shitting on Howard for anything. No, sure. uh, his show's terrible. Or he's a terrible. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just I'm floored by the I mean, he loves this business so much or did at one point. But you would yeah. think he would have this kind of facility, if not better than what he had at Sirius set up at his own place so that he could do things like that if need be. Yeah, he didn't. And that was that was really eye-opening i was like wow i wonder if other broadcasts and i would see some who are lower level stuff who were you know just maybe music jocks around the country and i would see their stuff online through social media and i'm like that's a better setup they've got like everybody has these setups that were doing this some of them were some of these people were voice tracking six or seven stations so they would do it from home plus go to their station job or do whatever they yeah. had the set up he's the top of the food chain with this and and nothing and that was just amazing to watch that week because the audio was terrible the shows weren't good and then even now like they they have i've seen the, some of the videos that show up on uh I guess they put them up on Instagram because I'm not subscribing to series. Uh, they, you see their the videos, and Howard's got a nice setup now. Robin looks like she's sitting, uh, like at a, in a desk and in her office, and then Gary looks like he's sitting at the end of a dining room table, but just like I am. Yeah, yeah. It's all <laughs> but, so it's still, you're still just like, wow. Nobody really took. They still don't take the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, better. look. I think that when you're, you know, let's say you're in last spring, you're probably having the expectation of like, all right, well, we'll just go back to the studio in a little bit. But you're you're far enough in now. It's like, well, I don't know. Just take the time to make it look better to get everything out there. And I mean, at least it, it sounds reasonably well. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's like if you're interviewing, you know, Metallica and they're all in a studio, it would look better if you had some kind of, you know, if, if yeah. the other end of the conversation was uh, something that was a little bit more professional. Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it, you know, that was kind of a fascinating day that that first Monday, which I guess was the uh, 14th, 16th of March, where everybody started doing their shows remotely. And there are a lot of shows that I don't even regularly listen to that I wanted. I was just very curious. Uh, I, uh, I've i always been a, a uh, uh, I, I actually fell off a bit during the pandemic, but uh, I was always a Howard guy. I subscribed to Sirius when he went over and uh, I did the uh, the lifetime subscription, so you could pay five hundred dollars all at once. Five hundred dollar thing, yeah. In two thousand six, and people were like, "It was crazy," but yeah, you know, I wasn't married, I wasn't even engaged. I'm like, I have nothing but this. I had, a, you had been if you've been there since day one, at least with Howard, because that was yeah. a serious promotion. That was not an XM thing. They hadn't merged yet. Yeah. And Sirius was doing that $500 one-time lifetime fee. Yeah. Um, a lifetime, one-time fee, lifetime subscription. So when you came over to Howard, you had this forever. 
if you had done that back then, yeah, people would be like, Yo, you're paying 500 bucks for this. What are you and doing for the radio? Well, he's been know? there. Yeah. He's been there. What's he 2016? So almost 15 years. Yeah. And uh, wait, it's actually so it is 15. It's 15 because it was 2006. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's 15 right. years. Yeah. So 15 years. So you just pay like you're paying if you pay a full year subscription, it's about 100 something for the year. Yeah. So you've already well paid off. You know, that the thing is paid off for you and, yeah. and then some. I'll have to tell you, I was shocked that when the merger happened that I wasn't told, well, you know, that was a serious lifetime subscription. You're not a lifetime subscriber to Sirius XM. That's a new company. And I was shocked that, you know, because I wouldn't have, wasn't I wouldn't have resubscribed. Company. It was still serious. They just incorporated the name, yeah. got rid of everything else. Yeah. Um, well, you know, in, in terms of uh, all of that, I think it's a, it's a good way to kind of circle back to uh, there's a, you know, sort of how your actual career gets started, you know, uh, I, and again, a lot of people know you from the old Opie and Anthony show, right. which I didn't know there was always sort of a, you know, I knew plenty of people that listened to both shows, but I think for me, I mostly listened to Howard because it was in the morning and once he was on Sirius and they just played it all day, I'm like, great, I'll catch it at some point. And I wasn't looking for other shows, you know, but uh, it, it always seemed like there there were the two camps, you know, it was like, oh, uh, I, I like the Mets and I like the Yankees, you know, it, it, it always seems that it was weird, you know, um, it, it was weird. We, for the most part, everybody got along a uh, quick side note when you were saying about him listening to it uh, later in the day, that became sort of the beginning of the end for morning radio, not yeah. the personalities, but when you had a channel like Howard, you had a channel like ONA, you had a channel for uh, some other shows where their show would either be rerun throughout the day on the channel or available on demand, like an hour or so after the, the, sh the live show aired. There was no, unless you were getting up as part of your routine to get up, to go to work, to go to school, whatever, there was no sense of urgency. Like I need to listen to this or I'm not going to get a chance to listen to it. Like listening to morning radio in whatever city you lived in. And like for us growing up, it was sort of like you got up in the morning just to listen to this stuff or you were figuring out shit on cassette tapes to, to tape it. And yeah. now it's just like, well, I don't need to get up in the morning. So then I'll just listen later. And sometimes you listen later, but then sometimes you're like, you know what? I missed all of last week. I'm really not going to go back to like it, it would start to stack up and then it would be more of a, the, well, yeah. the more convenient it became, the less desire it was to stay on top of it all the time to know what's going on. Yeah. And they make it easier because it's like, do you want to listen to the whole show from Monday or do you just want to hear the interviews? Oh, I kind of just want, you know, so it's like, you can really cherry pick it. And yeah, I mean, the majority of like, I use Sirius. I just listen to stuff on the app. I very rarely listen to something live. If I do, it's because I have uh, Alexa, you know, and I can, I can listen through that and I'll just have right. it on in the kitchen, but it's usually going to be music if I'm listening live. And yeah, I think that, you know, look, when Howard started, I thought there was like this sort of interesting mix, you know, cause he had bubble love sponge. And then he had that guy, Pharrell, who, I mean, you want, Pharrell, about, yeah. you want to talk about an entertaining uh, sports talk I show. Pharrell. I hate yeah. sports. I'm not, a, well, I don't hate sports. I just don't, I like watching sports. I don't care who's on what team. I don't, I'm not a favorite <laughs> of any player right, right. or um, a franchise or any of that stuff. Uh, I'll watch it. I just don't want to follow it. I don't care. The statistics and the betting and the guidelines and everything for it doesn't interest me. Pharrell is, was interesting because Pharrell used to be on here in New York. He was on national yeah. on radio several times with CBS. Uh, he did Howard's uh, network for, for a few years, but Pharrell is just, manic yeah don't even cut the depressive i mean add the depressive part to it it's just manic he's on 
<laughs> and he's this really low level gravelly kind of guy. And then when he would get up and going that, it sounded like a chainsaw going. And then he would slow back down and then talk about whatever. Like he wasn't yeah. just a sports guy. He was every the sports and betting were where he was making his money off of. But anytime he would talk about anything, he would go into about why he hated certain cities just because of the color of the uniform or they have bad food or something stupid. Yeah. And you're like, this guy is amazing. And to this or, day, you know where he's on, I'll listen to him. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Every once in a while, you'll hear that he's turned up somewhere and he's very entertaining. And yeah, it's like he would usually play music under him the whole time, which I'm sure is great for editing out clips of his show. But uh, and then it's like if he wants to like sing. That's what hip hop that? radio would do. Remember, oh, yeah. like the oh, nighttime yeah. jocks where yeah. hip hop was never big for the morning. The hip hop stations were never big for the morning or the midday stuff. It was the afternoon and the evening guys were like the superstars. And like in New York here, it was hot 97. So you sure. had guys like, uh, you know, Funk Flex and DJ Red Alert and stuff. And well, they be, they'll play the song full level and then they bring it back down to talk to you about that. And then the music goes right back up and then right back down, right back up. It's I don't know. It's, it's it drives me crazy. I don't know how you can sit there and concentrate on it. I know people love it, but Pharrell yeah. seemed to have adapted that. It's like, hey, I could just keep slamming the music yeah. up and down in between. And then he'll sing along to a Rolling Stones song. And, uh, you know, somebody's job is to, uh, you know, not pay royalties on it, probably. But, you know, who cares? <laughs> but bring a drink or something in studio. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And then yeah. the sweeper hits. And then he's gone for 20 minutes. And he comes back and he forgot what he was talking about. Once uh, O&A had their own channel, uh, who, I, I know that there was a time where, like, Nick DiPaolo had a show. But, like, what were some of the some of the bigger shows that they had, you know, longer, you know, once uh, they were, I don't know. And I assume that was XM. Apollo was after O and A. Okay. Um. Uh. Well, I forgot we didn't answer your original thing about the two camps, and then we can go to. to oh yeah, sure. Uh, the two camps. Um, it was pretty much there were lines drawn in the sand because Howard didn't like O and A. Yeah. But part of the host didn't like Howard, so that was always a thing. Uh, behind the scenes, the staff got along great. Roland and I used to be, and uh, um, one of our producers, Paul, or, or we knew like we were friends with Shuli and and Sal and Richard Christie. I used to see ronnie in the morning oh, uh sure yeah you know uh, right after he brought howard up he'd be downstairs waiting for uh robin's car to arrive so he could you know bring her up too and um all of them were really nice you know like there's only and i'm not going to name the names but there was one guy on his staff that was just a miserable person the entire time he was never nice to anybody but everybody else on howard's staff was always nice to us whether they liked us or not it didn't matter they were always very cordial and uh that's you know that's what counts yeah and i mean i, I think that uh, you know you you especially in the time since like you know you'll hear uh, jim norton to this day still talk favorably about like they had shuley on on the show that they do now and i i was shocked yeah, that bad. howard signed off on that that shuley was on another serious show and you know you know i know it's not opie and anthony but it's like you know from that and uh you know it just seemed like you know obviously a lot of the, the you hear people talk that like behind the scenes but you know i mean that's sort of the dumb thing that it's not even about those guys so much because it's the idea that differing stations differing personalities in radio need to be at war you know and yeah, it used to be the mentality that you were yeah. i mean it was also business too it was a way to drive up hype and, and interest and try to steal people who are listening to other stations to come over to your station or to your show uh, that you always had to have some sort of radio battle with everybody. No, and and nobody did it better than uh, the guy that we grew up listening to, Scott Shannon, who moves into New York from Tampa 
and that you know they have their first ratings book. They're literally the worst station in New York, yeah, and then they set their sights on WPLJ, which is you know the the top pop station. And then you know by the end of the year, they actually were the number one station. So we were a rock station. Um, PLJ was a rock station in 1983. They were still a rock station. Well, they had just switched over. Oh, okay, I to, see. Uh, yeah. To pop, and uh, then uh, or what was it called? Top 40 CHR or something like whatever those music genres were that yeah. meant something to like billboard magazine but nobody else <laughs> nobody else yeah exactly so, yeah the, he comes in he takes this station which was an old jazz station just with a really shit signal out of okay yeah. for this is that uh yes yeah, a caucus yeah no i said can we curse on this oh yeah we can yeah oh, we can curse i didn't say oh sakakis too sakakis is actually kind of quick, totally quick, quick tangent uh my uh my my grandmother was uh she grew up in new jersey and she was riding on a bus once and uh you know a, a young gentleman sat down next to her and started chatting her up and when he asked if she was from sakakis she was so offended she stood up and walked to the front of the bus and wouldn't talk to this guy anymore so apparently sakakis yeah. <laughs> was was not was a very low class place in the four Maybe she anyway. he was calling her a succubus. You know, <laughs> oh, no, that would have been my grandfather years later. But yeah, fair um, enough. No, so he took over. They this company came in, hired him, and they yeah. switched the frequency. There were going to be a, a new top forty station, and uh, yeah, it was one of the weirdest stories in radio history because in thirty days, it went from the lowest rated station in the market because nobody knew it was even on. Uh, to the number one station, and it stayed that way for years. Yeah, I mean, into the early '90s, it was still the number one station in New York. I mean, I think you know you had other shows. You know, obviously you had the you had like Howard was the number one morning show at some point, and other day parts. You know, Hot ninety seven. You know, after I guess it, it I, I forget exactly when I was in high school, it went from Hot one hundred three to Hot ninety seven. I remember. The, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And when when that's it's somehow moving like a little bit lower on the dial the station blew up I, I it was i've never seen anything like that you know where all of a sudden it's just like oh i don't have to turn the dial so far and now it's uh, everybody's favorite station you know at least people that i knew uh in my school so yeah and uh yeah i mean the show is so big and i mean that's what i grew up listening to and you and i have traded messages about it we've never you know talked about it on the show but i mean yeah. that's what i grew up and it was like one i'd say when i was really little my biggest influences were uh I would say probably Dr. Demento because I loved song parodies yeah. when I was, you know, when I was like seven and eight, I think that's the right age for song parodies, seven and eight. Uh, and, but uh, just listening to Z100 in the morning, that's the station that we're referring to. And, you know, a lot of people grow up all over the country and they, they're like, Oh yeah, we had a morning zoo too. But I mean, I guess there New was York only two of them that were like, well, the original I think was out of New York, but right. then um, because they were the same company, they adopted that moniker to a station in Houston with John Lander and right. he had the Q92 I think their station was or something like that out in, yeah. in in Houston so at the same time that New York started they were doing it in Houston different sounding shows um but sort of the same concept where the more the one in New York was more of an ensemble yeah and the one with John Lander in Houston was more him with a cast of characters around him. Like he right. was the star of everything. And then uh, they had one in Cleveland too. That was also the same company that had made the station in New York. Uh, there was a station called uh, the buzzard right. uh, MMS in, in Cleveland. This was, this was a company at the time that was called Malwright 
communications. All right, communications. That's the way that I think Scott said it, and I think it was actually mall right, but I would always hear right. it pronounced. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then it was, uh, yeah, but I mean, it was, uh, it was like kind of exactly, you know, the kind of thing that you would love when you were a kid because you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's like. It's it's a little bit naughty, but it wasn't like, you know, sitting in your room and listening to Howard where your parents are going to come in and be like, you can't listen to this. You know, it was like, OK, it was silly. It was songs with a lot of music and, and the of characters. Artists, they were staffed. It wasn't just yeah. like radio guys doing whatever. They had writers. They had a yeah. production team. They had so almost every day you heard new bits. You've heard parody songs. You heard fake commercials. You heard all of this stuff. And whether you find it interesting or hokey or whatever you got to look at the production level of that because there was constantly updated sweepers based on things currently happening. And, and uh, all of this stuff was just constantly being churned over and over. They had celebrity voice impersonators. They had uh, no original characters that would call in or, or whatever. And you're like the amount of work and effort and the team you have to pay to put all that stuff together was impressive. You can say hacky morning zoo shit all you want, because eventually it, it devolved into that where everyone just thought, you know, if you have, you know, nine people in a studio yelling and you're playing sound effects, that that's was uh, a creative morning show. And that, that really wasn't it. When they did start doing all of that, nobody else was doing it. That's why right. everyone started copying it, because the, the New York show was sharing stuff with uh, the Cleveland show, like production wise, at least. And then Houston was doing some stuff, too. Like those three markets were the ones that really were the you know created something brand new and different at that time in radio and then everyone started to adapt even don and mike out of dc yeah, were sure. station in uh um virginia uh ava wava back in the day and they were don and mike in the morning zoo like they like a few years after that thing took off they adopted that moniker too a lot of people were just doing morning zoos because they thought yeah. that that's what was going to be um like a buzz, like a catchy yeah. to bring you in. And then not everyone can do all of that. So when you have so many imitations, it dilutes what was actually special or unique about the original product. And then when everyone knows, oh yeah, they, they start thinking about the other stuff, not the original stuff. And then, then you've lost the market. You've lost everybody's interest in it. And that's why it, it got such a bad name. But the one yeah. that Scott did in New York was, I mean, that was a trailblazer for a lot of things, whether you like yeah. the, the content or not. The, the, the way he did stuff was never done before until he did it. And uh, in the chat, uh, Cammy Egan reference here in Chicago, we had the Loop 97.9 with Jonathan Brandmeier, and that's a fairly well-known name. And a uh, little footnote, when the uh, the Dennis Miller radio show ended for Westwood One, uh, they decided to uh, put Jonathan Brandmeier and see if they could plug that into our 300 affiliates. And I think they had 50 when it launched, and uh, within six months, they didn't have that show anymore. But I don't know that they guy, tried to know the station, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, that, that's who they tried to, they they just figured, you know, look, the company had just changed. Westwood One had become Cumulus and, you know, and then it just changes all the time, you know, who owns what. And then the new people were like, yeah, we don't need to give Dennis Miller money. We're just going to put Jonathan Brandmeier on these stations. And uh, the problem with a lot of radio companies, at least back in the day, there's a whole bunch of yeah. other problems in the last few years. But back sure. in the day, it was just like, oh, well, he was a popular name or a popular show, what have you. Well, you know what? The the work's already done. The audience is there. We already have the market. So we just we can put anybody in there as long as we just maintain. It was all about well, maintaining, not in you and, know, evolving and, and being influential on stuff. And that's why they usually didn't 
tell you that you were fired until after you'd done a show. Uh, they would usually just assume, especially look for music based based stations. I'm sure it usually worked where it's like the show you listened to on Friday was completely replaced on Monday yeah. and no explanation. Just like, Hey, we're here now. And uh, here's some music that you'll probably like. We're crazy too, but here's some more music. And it probably worked for the most part. I mean, they didn't do that, you know, at the level of, you know, look, Z100, I mean, in New York, it was the number one market and it was the number one show. And I mean, they had that run. I mean, you know, Scott was there for, I guess it was Seven like years. five and a half years. Yeah, before he before he le- he leaves for Los Angeles. Uh, but, uh, and I, I remember I, I, I stayed home from school that day because I wanted to hear his last show. This was in 1989 in January. And, um, you know, it, uh, I don't know, those, those uh, that show, show meant a lot to me but i always got very attached like i you know i would i would i would tape bits from that show i would tape interviews from that show but i would also ta- i would i would uh, record snl at night on vhs you know i mean it was like I, I needed to have all this stuff so that i could reference and try and remember what was so funny about it you know and you're uh, the only other person that i know unless you were in new york and maybe worked at that station or worked for something affiliated with it nobody really remembers that morning show even the the different incarnations, like with the different uh, sidekicks and stuff on there, you're talking about the 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 Z Morning Zoo or Z Morning Zoo, yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody really under like remembers that or remembers material from it or remembers just how important that show was to the development of radio. You know, the, the like we said, nobody was doing it, and then it devolved because everybody kept ripping it off. But then it. it parlayed into other things becoming more popular like if you didn't have something like that howard i don't think would have gotten as big because yeah. the guy in philadelphia that he went after john DeBella, was the zookeeper morning zoo was it was one of the ripoff shows was not an yeah. affiliate of what was uh developed in new york and by mall right and and by scott shannon he was just he took the name he's like so he was the yazoo mornings whatever yeah. it was in philly and then howard goes this is garbage. <laughs> I know this is garbage. And that's what skyrocketed Howard. Like he was, he was one thing in New York, but when they took on the, the Philly affiliate and then started going after John DeBella, then that was making nationwide attention. And that's yeah. what launched them off. So if you didn't have this and then everyone ripping it off and then this thing come like there's layers to all of this stuff that people just don't see. There wouldn't, we wouldn't have had any of the stuff that we had, had it not been for something like, that in the in the uh, in the dna of, of radio yeah because before all of this even you know before scott before howard you had uh, what imus was doing but what imus was doing was you know it was boss in those days stuff. what's that it was just boss jock stuff yeah you know he was talking a little more because he wasn't doing like a you know anywhere from like a 10 to 15 seg uh 15 second seg between songs with the microphone with the uh with the reverb on it and, and the really yeah. deep guy like like wabc or cbs fm or those are new york stations but i'm sure you had some sort of um oldie station in your in your market growing up where the the, the jocks were like this and blah 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 and they had really yeah. weird hokey names and and stuff like that that's what imus was doing other than he was allowed i mean but he was allowed to talk a little bit more. Yeah. Jocks were, and it didn't take until Howard came into the market. And then when Scott Shannon was in the market and, and then I looks and goes, well, they're doing this stuff with younger music and younger production, you know, whatever Howard's saying this stuff. And he doesn't want, so I just started borrowing all of that. And like, well, if they're doing it, I can do it too. And again, right or wrong, you wouldn't have had the, the way talk radio and, and most radio would have developed had it not been for something like Scott did. 
Yeah, because uh, obviously even when Howard starts at WNBC, and I think in the K-Rock days, I think in the beginning he still played music, you know, because the, on idea, in the afternoons. Yeah, when he was on in the afternoons. And I think that the thinking was like, well, you can't, you can't not play music. And, you know, just driving around throughout the country, there'd be times like uh, I, I would hear they would air, it'd be on the West Coast, they would air Howard's show on tape delay, but they would add music between the segments. They would actually play songs, you know, like that was how that station felt it like could have, they- could have also well, been that they didn't have as many commercials sold. Like, yep, like that's York. a good point, yeah. Howard's breaks were infamous for like, cause he would go for a long time, but when he yeah. takes a break, if those commercials add up, so sometimes you're anywhere from 10 to 12 minutes, you're just sitting there waiting for commercials. So the affiliates probably had stuff you know, they had promos filling a lot of their stuff. They didn't have all the big ad buys like New York did. Um, so they probably had to throw it. But this was L.A. They should have had those buys. Yeah, no, no. This was like like I distinctly remember driving to San Francisco and in the middle, like hearing Howard's show with with music in the middle, you know, and, and that sort of makes sense. But uh, also you, you drive through the middle of the country. Uh, there'd be like, you know, baseball games on. And uh, instead of commercials, they'd have like a preacher because they probably weren't, you know, selling ads, you know. So it, it's it's interesting how they fill the time, sort of what you're saying. So you you kind of grow up with the this same show uh, that, you know, listening to it. And uh, what uh, what level of, uh, what does this inspire in you in, in terms of, oh, I want to go into radio? Go radio? Yeah. Um, I used to call Scott Shannon when I was five. Um, because I would hear the radio on in right. the morning and I figured out the, how to dial the phone, I guess. And I used to just call his show and yeah. talk to who, like he would pick up in between the, you know, when they're in commercials or in the songs and stuff, he's in the studio doing whatever. And he would just screen the calls or somebody else would screen the calls, put me a hole. And then he would pick me up. And then he, I was constantly on the air with him. Yeah. Like, I was just talk. I like, I was making shit up. I was just talking to him and, and lying about things. And he just found it hilarious. So he kept putting my calls on for a while. And then I don't remember why I stopped calling. Probably my mom caught on and <laughs> well, but they didn't they didn't have a they didn't have a toll free number at that point, you know. It was, yeah, uh, it was like nineteen eighty three, four. So yeah, you know, I was just calling him because I was up in the morning and that's what I would do. I just would call so him. And so you would get on the air, like were were there, uh, you know, would would the, you have the sort of calls that would be put in like montages on like anniversary shows? Did you have um, any of that if, stuff? If they did. There's one call that's out there that I'll never reveal, but there's one call out there. Um, I didn't know that they recorded that stuff. You just called, yeah. talk to the guy on the radio. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they would put me on. I never knew, you know, I'm right. five, six years old, somewhere in there. And, uh, yeah, there was, I got a copy of one call many years later and I was just like, Oh my God, but that piqued <laughs> my interest. Cause I thought I would hear how he was doing stuff and my dad listened to CBS FM. So I used to hear all the boss jock stuff yeah, um, sure. from there, like, you know, cousin Brucey and Don K Reed and, and all of those guys. And then my grandfather, if I was ever in the car or the house at his house before he moved to Florida, he used to listen to baseball, like the mm -hmm. sports, uh, the AM sports stations, and uh, Bob Grant. Oh, sure, yeah. So I used to listen to Bob Grant as, as a kid, and uh, Bob Grant is, if you don't know who he is, he was a legendary. He was never a national guy. He was just a New York broadcaster, but he always made national news because he would just 
the way he would flip out on callers or or <laughs> politicians, whatever, was yeah. was amazing. You thought the Casey Kasem, you know, dog death dedication, whatever it was, was amazing. <laughs> if you can find old tapes of Bob Grant, where he's just yelling at old women calling in, yeah. it's like get off my phone you ignoramus like he's just yelling at old people all the time it's hilarious. well and and bob's was on the air you know uh yeah it was casey live. that's that's an outtake and uh you yeah. know we we had a radio consultant uh come in on uh the the dennis miller syndicated radio show uh this was about a year in yeah. and you know they wanted to you know as as big radio companies do and this guy had worked with casey and uh we would play that outtake sometimes and, and that we knew this guy wasn't going to be a good fit when he told us that that's actually not funny like you should you know it's like oh no poor casey but what i did learn from that was after that uh casey made you cut the tape in front of him so like you there would be no outtakes like he you know you couldn't yeah. save any outtakes from casey after that, was, that, that was the i mean i'm sure it still happens now but that was the quintessential host having too much of an ego yelling at the engineers and the producers and stuff and that was their way of getting back at them it's like i'm gonna save all this stuff one day and then some yeah. people will play it somewhere or, or some some way shape or form this will be valuable and it was because there was a few of them there was the dog one there was uh there was the uh the, the number one, the number one rock station in maine I, I can't fucking say that i don't know that that's true like yeah. you know the one where it's good golly miss molly like yeah it's so <laughs> dumb but yeah that that's the thing with a lot of radio hosts don't understand is like you got to treat your staff well because yeah they're putting all this stuff together it's like oh i don't have to edit anything i just come in i sit down in front of the mic i read everything off and then i leave yeah but all your fuck-ups all your yelling whatever somebody has it yeah and, oh and if you if you don't play nice with these people they're not asking for much just be you know show some dignity and if you're not, then this shit's going to eventually, especially now, yeah. like I'm still waiting. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm still waiting for some engineer to say how pissed off they were at Ryan Seacrest and to see all this stuff leaked out. Because Ryan Seacrest, I've met him twice, couldn't have been nicer. He gets yeah. every job, you know, and there's never <laughs> anything job. bad about him. That's true. Never. Even the bad stuff, you're like, that's just, that's like getting hit with a slap bracelet that had yeah. the on the side and the metal cut your wrist a little bit that's about as bad as it got with him and i was like somewhere down the line somebody in engineering has as uh audio or video of him losing his shit over something so dumb like his hot tea didn't have enough lemon in it or something like that and he threw it at somebody yeah yeah but it's true that, that yeah because you, you get to a certain point and you're like well that audio has to be out there it's like because look you can't you can't talk about you mentioned Bill O'Reilly. The first thing somebody's going to say is, "We'll do it live." They don't talk about anything about his career. It's 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 really your career can get boiled down to that one outtake because it can be so entertaining. It wasn't even Bill O'Reilly's show. It was a current affair, uh, uh, Inside Edition. I actually was it because he he did Inside Edition. I I worked with the Inside Edition crew later. They, oh, okay. they Wait, I, did he World. know for Current Affair too before Maury Povich took it? I don't remember him doing it before Maury Povich, but uh, that oh, he, right. he could have had both of those gigs. Look, those are both pretty sweet gigs, in all honesty. You know, <laughs> you know, I I would uh, I I would be uh, happy to uh, do a, a new occurring affair or or that. So you had prism spinning around and that same stinger, like yeah, that. that. Was pretty great. 
The you heck? keep that old thing there. You could do whatever you want on the rest of the show. It's <laughs> true. Watch it just to remember <laughs> that old logo. Uh, so, uh, do you go to do you go to college like to study broadcasting? Like, you know, is that the plan, or is it more of a hobby, or what? I was I was trying to figure it out way before um, I was even going to college. Right. Like I started figuring out stuff fifth, sixth grade. Like I, my mom had a, got a gift one time. It was like a little boom box thing, but it had a little microphone built into the speaker. Oh, so yeah. you could record on a cassette tape and you could record onto the I, thing. I had I had that same boom box. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it had a double deck so you could like you could dub something. Well, was yours in hot pink and white detail? No, mine was black. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, so I figured I'm like, oh, you could and then I tried putting cassette tapes in and realized you can't just put cassette tapes in there. They have to have the little tab on the top to yeah. record. So then you figure it out. Oh, I could put scotch tape over that and I can throw in there. And now I'm taping over new kids on the blocks, you know, so my sister's screaming or Duran Duran, whatever she had. And uh, then you find out they make blank tapes. So you can <laughs> blank tapes and you can yeah. start doing all of that stuff. Um, and then um, someone in my family got a karaoke machine, like in the early nineties. So it was just a big speaker with a double cassette tape thing and you could pitch shift too, like the, yeah. the tape so if you wanted to hit it down and talk this way play it back it's really fast so mm -hmm. over the years this ancient technology by today's standards i was just figuring out how to patch all this together um i realized that the red yellow and, and uh white cables in the back of a vcr are also in a stereo i'm like oh can you connect these and i'm figuring all this stuff out and i'm just yeah. pulling shit apart and realizing I can now tape the radio onto a, onto a video cassette tape. So I, instead of having to use, I was using, this is how really lame I was. I had different stereos on timers that you would use for lights. Right. And they would turn on all set and ready volume down station, locked in everything record, ready to go with 120 minute tapes. Yes. Right? I, I okay. by the way, I did exactly the same thing. I would okay. leave for school. I would hit record on the one in my room. And then there was one in my parents' room that would go on, I don't know, like an hour later. I had, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, my I, dad had all that stuff. My dad uh, ended up working in like video conferencing for uh, you know a company that became Polycom, which is a, was fairly well known at one point. Okay. So we had all this stuff around, and you know, my dad loved the idea that I wanted to record audio off of the television. So you know, just sort of doing all that, he's like, "Oh, this is great. This is like you know, this is the kind of interest that I have." You know, and uh, yeah, and the interesting thing, of course, is if you record the later hours of those morning shows, you're like, "Oh wait, they're just doing the same stuff they did at like seven o'clock." Or, the or there's a lot more music in the nine o'clock yeah. you know yeah. it's like really and then they show up at 9 52 and they're like goodbye everybody and like they still got another eight minutes oh there's all the commercials yeah and 10 o'clock the midday guy comes in and you're just defeated like, i don't want to listen to him no yeah exactly. you know, and i love this guy i've known him personally but it's like you're like oh human newman's on I <laughs> but i love human he, sure. he, he wound up working at serious and i picked his ear for the, all the years uh, uh for all the time to, to get all the stories about all the time he worked at z100 uh, sure one of the other fun things that working at Sirius was I was I used to hang out with Kid Kelly all the time. I would talk to him, pick his brain about the, his times there. Human Newman was there. Um, um, well, it's funny because because it's in New York. You know, you would listen to like the album rock station and stuff, and you're like, oh, I remember these guys from WNEW, and you know, right. it, and and uh, cousin Brucey had a channel. You know, and you want to talk about guys with the reverb that cousins, you know, like yeah, his channel. He was there. I used to talk to him a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. His I brain. Uh, Carol Miller, who used to be on NEW and sure. PLJ, uh, um, Jim Kerr, who does the mornings in uh, Q104 in New York, would do stuff on Sirius on the weekends for 
one of their channels, uh, Matt, Matt Allen used to magic. Matt Allen used to be right. a big guy in New York. And then he went around the country doing stuff. Uh, Mojo Nixon. If you know that guy, maybe oh. you only know him from the dead milkman's uh, song. I, but- I, I, I not only know him from the dead milkman song, but uh, I know him from Debbie Gibson is pregnant with my two headed love child. The novelty right. song he had, but then also he had a song uh, that was called six, one, nine, two, three, nine King about how you could call in Elvis sightings. Now the number does not work anymore. That's a San Diego number. Uh, and I, I did try when I moved out here. I'm like, wait, can I call and give Elvis sightings? But yeah, so uh, I, yeah, Mojo Nixon was just sort of this, this fascinating uh, figure. You he's know? a weird dude. He was, he's bizarre like Dr. Demento, but he's like a rockabilly country kind of guy too. So mm-hmm. um, he would, he did a show on outlaw country at Sirius. So anytime, and he was never in New York that much, but anytime he was, I was right there bothering oh, sure. him just to hear all his stories and his goofy shit. And I know I loved all that stuff, but anyway, figuring out the radio stuff. So yeah, the cassette tapes and all this stuff and figuring out. And then when I got a computer, like in the mid nineties, like 94, 95, um, I was figuring out how I could patch the audio from the stereo into the mic plug-in port on the computer and didn't right. sound as great, but you all that stuff until I got to, um, uh, my senior year of high school, I only had half a day. So I was oh, done wow. at 11 in the morning because I finished all the classes that I needed. Right. So there's a vocational school on Long Island called BOCES that offered television and, and editing and stuff. So I'd go to high school in the morning, then I'd go to this thing in the afternoon. And then I was starting to learn more there from all that. And then uh, when you got to college, they had um, the programs, but their equipment was nowhere near what professional radio stations had. Yeah. So I started uh, figuring out what I could at college and then took jobs at uh, stations around the area and was working there at night and working there on the weekends and then learning what I could do there and realizing college wasn't doing anything for me. Sure. So I was learning editing and I was learning studio. I was learning all this stuff from these other stations. Even back in Long Island, I was working at stations and I would just borrow equipment and uh production libraries when they had a cd burner i figured out oh i can take their production libraries from uh like brown bag is is an old production library and some of the others and i would just sit there at night when i was working like the midnight to 5 a.m shift where i'm just playing dj mixes off of dat tapes and hitting a sweeper in between um i would just go into the production room and burning all the production libraries and then take them home and then figure out how to do all so it was all piecemeal no one was really showing me I was watching how they did stuff. Yeah. Some people would show me a couple of things, but then I was like, all right, if I just grab all of this stuff and take it at home and play around with it, I'll figure it out on my own. And then uh, eventually it started clicking. The more places I was like, uh, I don't know. I just showed up everywhere. I was at every station at the right time. So I was working at WLIR in Long Island. Then I was working at PLJ in Long Island. I had a short stint at WNEW in Long Island. I mean, uh, in New York City. Yeah. Um um, I was doing PLJ with Scott and Todd for, for a couple of years as an intern there. And then I was doing stations in Florida and stations in Pennsylvania. And I'm back to New York and, and, uh, through all of that, nobody really was just sitting down with me and telling me how to do stuff. I would just watch what they did and then learn because radio people don't want to show other people how to do shit. It's really amazing. Nobody wants to help anybody because they think, oh, if I show you how to do that, then they're going to give you my job and I'm out. And more times than not, yeah, that was the case. But that's how you, you eventually learn everything. College can help, but really not. Yeah. 
It, like, no, I mean, in all honesty, what I realized by the time I went to college, and I went to Marist College in Poughkeepsie, which is, uh, you know, it's a I fairly- almost went to Marist. Uh, I got, a, I got uh, accepted there, but I didn't go. Well, <laughs> the fact that you got accepted there isn't uh, that much of a surprise, but no. uh, the fact that you didn't go is, and look, I had gotten the advice before I got to college that what was going to be really important was the internships. And I knew that I was going to be able to, st- I'd still be close to the city so I could, I could do internships for what I wanted to do. And, yeah. you know, I, my thinking is that well, by the time I get into college, you know, I'd, I, I wanted to intern for Letterman and SNL. And then by the time I was in college, I realized that I, there was an alumni who, from Marist College who hired the interns for what was then Late Night with Conan O'Brien. So okay. I got in on that. Uh, I was, so I did that in the, the fall of 97. And then somebody that worked there knew everybody up at SNL. So he just brought me up there one day in the middle of the day and was like, this is Christian. He wants to intern for you next semester. And they're like, okay, great. And I, had, I was, what's that? That's all it most of the time. That's all it takes is that knowing somebody who's going to vouch for you that's already in or was in or connected to somebody that's in. And they go, Hey, uh, I have a guy or have this girl here. Uh, she's really good. She wants, she's eager. She wants to try something. It's like, I think she should be, uh, would be a good intern. Okay. And you go talk to them if they seem decent enough as a person and you see the resume, you're like, okay, cool. And then that's all it took. Yeah. Like you're paid for college, you know, maybe it's different for other people, but you paid for college to go learn TV production and movie editing and and, uh, radio stuff and what have you. You're just paying all this money to get somebody that say, okay, you're approved for an internship. Yeah, that's it. The college really you're wasting all your time with all. I had to take a 7 a.m. geology class that I never I went twice. And I said, (laughs) I'm not doing this stuff because they I had um, the school I went to had a had a planetarium in it of all places. Okay, and I used to just take all the astronomy classes because I liked it. So science was easy, but they wouldn't let me take the last one I needed to graduate because then it qualifies as a major. I'm sorry, as a minor. And then I had to pay more for that. And my dad goes, no, you're not doing this. So they're like, well, you got to take a general elective science class. And it was geology at seven in the morning twice. And Uh, then I'm not doing this ever again. And I just didn't go. And it didn't matter. Like in the end, the whole scheme of things, it didn't matter that I didn't go to that class at all. No, of course not. Yeah. It's just like whatever your GPA was, doesn't matter. You know I mean? And I, 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 I talked to my advisor early on in college and I structured it so that I was done with everything except for like one course at the end of my junior year. So I interned every day both semesters in my senior year. I had to pick up like an extra three credits during the winter session, which was like creative writing. So it was perfect. So yeah, I mean, I, I just interned my entire senior year. And so when I would, when they would bring me back to like talk to kids there, I would say like, well, you know, it's, it really doesn't matter what, you know, it matter. It's like, it's like who, you know, and the professor oh, would be like, Oh yeah, but they have to know you're not an idiot. I'm like, yeah, don't be an idiot, yeah. but you got to meet people, you know, got to meet people show that you're interested, at least pretend that you're doing some work there, learn how to do everything, yeah. ask questions. Because then when it comes down to if somebody gets fired or they, a position opens up and you go, who are we going to hire? You go, you know, that, that guy that, uh, that was interning for us and everything really was good with the editing and stuff. Like, let's give him the opportunity. That's all it took. Yeah. is just knowing the right people uh, to say yes. And then, then you prove yourself just showing like you're willing to do all of this stuff. You were coming in at nights and overnights and weekends, just running the board and, and doing promotions and, and all this other dumb stuff to eventually get you where you need to be. 
And that, the college was just a waste. Like, yeah, at least your college invited you back to talk to people. <laughs> I reached out during the height of Opie and Anthony, uh, reached out to them because of the station, uh, the college station. I used to do my show there and I reached out to the staff that was running it now and the yeah. school, uh, the, the communications department, everything. And I said, Hey, you know, I'm doing this now. I'd like to help out. Or if, you know, if anybody needs anything or make a donation, nobody returned my emails. Wow. Nobody, right? The stage kids at the station, nothing. The uh, old professors, most of them were gone. <coughs> the, the department heads, no response, nothing. But they were quick to hit me up during their era, their annual or semi-annual, uh, you know, uh, alumni uh, um, fundraiser. fundraiser things. Yeah. And one year I got a phone call. <coughs> it was like Saturday morning, like eight, nine in the morning. And some guy, I don't know if he was a coach of a sports team there or something, but he's on the phone just giving me the whole, you know, rally for the school and all this stuff. And, you know, we were really reaching out to the alumni to do all this stuff. And I said, I'm not interested. And he's like, what do you mean you're not interested? I was like, I don't care. I really am not interested. <laughs> and he goes, this is what he said. I'll never forget this. And it pissed me off so bad. He goes, don't you want to support your you? <laughs> and I sat there I'm like looking at the phone like, ew. Oh, that's it's bad. Support, like there's one you and that's Miami. The rest of you need to stop saying this shit. And that's yeah. never acknowledged me or offered, um, uh, accepted any of the help or anything I wanted to offer, but they were quick to call for money. Sure. And they never made that donation because fuck <laughs> them. And I never talk about them. I never promote them. I don't say wherever, where it is. Cause I'm not giving them that screw them. No, I think that that's, uh, that's the right approach, but look, I'll even waste don't go. Don't yeah, care. well, that's and that's the thing. Look, I I know obviously you know you worked at uh, SiriusXM for a while. You're a New York guy. You know who Eddie Trunk is, and you hear his story. He didn't even he knew not to bother with college. Mm -hmm. He's just like, no, I'm just going to work in radio. And he was like doing radio in high school anyway. And you know he ends up working for a record label because of yeah. the contacts that he makes. You know, he's like he signed Ace Freely to his solo contract. You know, I mean, it's just right. like. Yeah, exactly. So he ends up doing all that. And it's like, well, yeah, but you don't really have people in your life usually that say like, you know what you need to do? Not go to college, you know? And I don't quite know. And look, honestly, you couldn't, it, I couldn't. It became a thing where like it, it, society viewed it as being very detrimental. It's like you're telling people, oh, all you're goofing off and, and uh, partying and, and uh, being lazy and everything was going to pay off that you don't need to go to school. It, 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 people associated that with not having any kind of drive or passion yeah. or ambition. And that was not the case. I mean, most people are just sitting at home getting high because they work in a fast food shift that they hate. But when you sound like not go to college, not just like screw college, who needs it? Just do whatever. There was a reason why, because why most people don't have, um, scholarships most people don't have parents who are paying their tuition to go to school so you you meet you're lucky to get a partial and then you're paying it off for the rest of your life student loans don't go away with anything else you can declare bankruptcy and all this other stuff so you know your mortgage your car payments whatever like got you know especially now god forbid you lost your job and things are bad S school payments student payments nope they don't care they will still come after you they will ruin your credit they'll do everything yeah. to destroy you until they get every dime plus interest back from you and why would you put yourself through that most of these kids come out of school now and they're you know a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt and you're like well now i'm going to go into the workforce well how much do you own in student loans oh one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. why why was yeah. why did that help you if you can yeah. find a vocational school or if you can find something that you could uh that could certify you in a way to do something. I mean, obviously school has some things like if you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor, a chemist, sure, like that, yeah, you do need to go. 
but for everything else, do you think anybody that's working in the entertainment industry needed college? Some of them don't even have high school, you know, and they still became major successes, whatever. And that's not the way to go, but it worked for them. But it's just saying, it's like, look, this college thing is a bit overrated until they can bring, and this isn't a political speech. This is just being realistic. I've always felt college was a fucking waste. Even when I was there, I started yeah. to realize I'm like, well, I can't just leave. My parents are going to, you know, kill me. They'll be disappointed, but I can do something other than what this school is. And I picked the wrong school too. That was my fault. But I was, I realized like, I just need to do this on my own and go my own way and do all of this stuff. And that, and that's how it worked out. Yeah. Now to have gotten the internships I got, I needed to be in college and I ended up after that being a page at NBC. So I needed a college degree for that. So in that way, it's good. But I'll tell you what, I, I went to a school that was $16,000 a year. I went to Marist when College. When were you a page at Conan? Uh, I, was a, I, was a, I was an intern the fall of 97. I was a page at NBC the entire year of 1999. So uh, there's a guy I'm friends with at Sirius who works in the comedy department. He was a page there for a while, especially for Conan. Um, uh, Jason Shabiro. Does that name? Yeah. Well, I actually don't know that name, which is interesting because I know people from like before I was a page and a little bit after because you, know, you sort of end up with this like built in. I, I say it's it's like TV summer camp, but you're old enough to yeah. it afterwards. It's so it's so much fun, you know, and it's like there's like 60 of you running around 30 Rock, you know, playing tv you know and it, it, it's great experience it was a lot of fun i don't, I think it's a little bit more buttoned down now than it was then but uh you know it was it, it, it was that i think that was a great experience where i really got a lot out of it i got great networking from that which of course the networking to be a page comes from getting the internship you know but yeah. i mean yeah, i didn't spend that much to go to college i mean my senior year i didn't even live there because i interned all yep. the time i wasn't that my senior year i wasn't yeah. there either um they uh they even tried a thing too where they were uh uh for your diploma that they that you had to walk to get your diploma and i didn't want to go back because i was already working yeah Th right. that last semester there was no reason for me to go back to school because i was already working i had a job with nbc in new york uh for a little bit and i was doing uh well, where was i around that time i was doing radio full-time in, mm -hmm. uh, in new york and stuff so it was just it's like i don't need to go back there there's no reason for me to go back there other than you know it meant something more to my parents like uh, you know they paid for that they worked real hard yeah, sure. for to go you should walk but even at this point i my dad was talking to me about it and i said dad he's a business guy made a lot of money doing investments and all that stuff so he knows right so i said dad why would i have to take time off from this job to go do this thing here to get that piece of paper when they're going to give it to me anyway. Yeah. They say I have to walk there or not. I paid for the fucking thing. Yeah. You don't need to be there for it. And they're not doing anything for me. What I'm working already and making the, this is what the goal was. Right. And he's like, you're right. All right. You're right. <laughs> and then I don't know where to this day. I don't know where that thing is. I think my mom's got it in the box somewhere, but I don't have it displayed. I don't give a shit. It didn't yeah. matter to me. I didn't get it framed. Nothing. My mom bought high school rings for me when they when that scam was going around. Yeah, I, I like, you don't want your high school. Ring? No, I don't want it. Well, one day you're going to look back and wish. I no, I'm not. I'll never look back. And say, <laughs> Why did I get a high school ring? And she bought it anyway. I looked at it. I didn't wear it because I don't wear jewel. I hate jewelry. Right. I didn't wear it. And she has that somewhere. All the shit that they felt was so important is sitting somewhere in her house in Florida. It's funny. As you're saying that, I'm trying to think, I'm like, do I even have my diploma? I, I don't think I do. I've never needed it. I never needed to show it to anybody. I have my high school diploma. It's mm -hmm. in that 
velvet book that they yep, gave me. I have that, yeah. It's sitting in a box. Um, I, I know where it is. The college thing, I have no <laughs> idea where that is. I think Bill has it. I've never had it. Um, none of that stuff means anything. Like you used to, you were told early on when you were going to school, you got to have your high school uh, diploma. You got to have your uh, college degree. You got to have all this stuff. You got to be able to prove it. And you got to do all this stuff. I put all that stuff down. I didn't fake anything, but I realized quickly going from job to job, they never looked at this stuff. They didn't. Oh, yeah. Once you already had a foot in the door in, in, in this business or in TV, they looked at that. Like, where did you work last? Oh, I worked here. Who did you know over there? I know these people. Oh, okay. So he must know what he's doing. He's in the right. industry. They didn't give a shit about school. So I stopped even putting it on there. The last time I filled out uh, an application, I think was like 2001, two, <laughs> like that. I've never yeah. I just had contracts and, and other stuff since and you don't need to hand your resume in anymore. Yeah. I, I never put my school down when they're like education. I skipped right over it and wrote everything up. Never, never once did they yeah. ever say, hey, you didn't put your high school, uh, your high school or your college in here. No. Nobody ever called me. I was like, this doesn't mean a fucking thing until you get that first job. The rest of that shit doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's true. You know, and how you can present yourself with it. So at what point do you end up on uh, Open Anthony? Do you intern there or do you actually just get hired to work? No, never the- intern there. Okay. Um, I tried getting in with Opie and Anthony back in 2001. And was that when they were on NDW or was in NDW, that- they yeah. were just Get, uh, they were just newly syndicated and they had a show on the, the station called the radio chick. Oh and yeah. I remember that. I was going to work at, uh, for the radio chick for, uh, for a guy named Butchie, who was his producer or her producer and, uh, and, uh, John Constantino, who was the associate producer for there. And I was getting hired and went through everything. And then she got fired. Like there was all this turmoil with all the other shows on the station with Opie and Anthony, and she wound up getting fired. And then, I, so that gig was gone. I lost my other job because I left to go take this job, and then that job never happened. So then, three months or so go by, and then she's back. Like they put her back in a sh- in a smaller time slot. Oh. So I'm calling up. I'm like, do I get that? So nope, there's no job there. There's no nothing. Uh, <laughs> everything's locked down because of the the Howard thing they were fighting. Uh, where unless you were contracted to a certain show, there was nothing else open. Um, it just, it didn't work out. So I was like, damn it. So I was down in Florida for years, uh, for a few years doing a radio down there. And, um, just by chance, um, you know, I was, I had kept in communications with Opie and he was down in Florida doing just travels during the time that they were fired and they weren't allowed to work. How did you get to know Opie to begin with? Um, just, it was knowing some similar people, but it was just one of those things where I just would show up at some events and talk to them and then, um, you know, got an email and would, would exchange stuff back and then it just kind of built over time. Sure, That makes sense. And, uh, you know, we knew similar people growing up on Long Island, working at, you know, stations on Long Island and, uh, it just kind of built from there. And then when this opportunity was coming around um you know i talked to him a little bit i showed him this is what we could could be doing with your show and all of these other things and then he's like well we're gonna have a spot open on the new thing do you want to come do it yeah absolutely so but it was still gonna be it was still like a year away so i couldn't i knew i had a job but it was still a year away so, it was so still- this is when they they got they got fired from NEW. That is that the church thing which people can google yeah, what sex, that is um sex for sam too which got them fired and right. uh august of uh 2002 and then 
uh, Infinity didn't want them going to Clear Channel to compete against Howard, so right. they they canceled the show but continued to pay them so that they couldn't go to another company. Right. So they were locked into this contract for like two years or so, two and a half years, yeah, about that, and uh, they couldn't do anything. So they were being paid to do nothing for two and a half years, and or two years, and uh, during that time is when you know I met up with Greg down in Florida. And, uh, you know, he said, you want to do this and gave me an amazing opportunity. And look, you know, despite how everything is now and you know, what everybody thinks between everybody with O and a, um, we're all not, not, not all of us are getting along with each other right now, but I will never not say he gave me, he, he didn't do anything for me. He gave me an amazing opportunity sure. uh, to do all of this stuff and opened up a lot of other doors for me that, uh, you know, eventually I, I, I think it over the years, I paid that off. You know, I think uh, I'm always indebted to him in some aspects, but I think I more than earned what, what I got, where I went, what I was doing. And uh, that was his, his generosity and kindness was all, was already paid off. So I think we're, we're kind of square on that point, but um, it's a shame that you know, like we all don't get along anymore, which really does kind of suck, but I'll, I'll never not, um thank him for what he did and the doors that he opened for me for my career and then allowed me to do other things that i've developed in my career so uh you know always appreciative to him for for what he did so when you're a part of a show like that obviously uh, anybody who's listened to that show or you know howard or most shows you you uh your private life uh, a lot of times becomes a lot less private uh you know and uh what was uh, some of the earliest examples where you're like Oh, I have to like not tell everybody, you know, you can't make small talk in the way that you do if you work in a regular office when it's that kind of a radio show. Uh, you know, it, you know, I mean, uh, obviously years later you have stuff like, you know, Sam Roberts pretending to propose to his later wife, but not actually proposing to her on the show. So, you know, you get you later down the road, you get stuff like that. But, uh, I you don't know, I remember that when was he proposing to his wife? I, I I've heard it referenced after the fact, uh, it's not something that I heard, but, uh, uh, his his wife Jess, who I met at a Kevin Undergar Maria Menounos party, was delightful. By the way, uh, I, 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 yeah. yeah, and you're just like, what did you do to her? You know, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna share something with you. You know this as a radio person. The audience will not know this. When you're a fan of a radio show, right? You listen to everything. You remember everything. You're you're involved with it, right? Especially if it's a personality-driven show. Could be any kind of morning show. Howard, O and A, Ron and Fez. You know, of course. When you go and talk to them about some things, and they don't remember what you're talking talking about, and you go, "How do you not remember that? It was such a big." You don't. Yeah. I never could figure that out because I know a lot of radio. I'm pretty. I'm not like a historian, but I know a lot about radio. Yeah, of course. I know a lot about shows and all this stuff. And I would talk to people that were like on equal level with me or even above me and stuff and just in the industry. And we like, really? I'm like, I don't remember that. I'm like, yeah, it was that. And they're like, oh yeah, I kind of, how do you remember that? And I was like, oh, because of whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I co-hosted a radio show and a podcast with someone who regularly uh, was like, I've talked to them before. Like, you know, I, I would talk to Dennis and he's like, Hey, I read a book. Uh, you should try and book this person. I'm like, you talked to them last month. I did. 
I'm like, yeah, it was a really good conversation. He's like, okay, good. Just play it again then. Yeah. 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 I never could understand that. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. It's just like, you do it. Yeah. Then I don't, there like, there'll be times where I'll remind, cause I work with Anthony right now. Sure. Um, I'll, or even when I'm helping Norton now, it's, I'm, I'll remind him of, and they're like, what, when? And I'll tell them about it. I remember all this stuff. Right. Yeah. But when it comes to certain parts of the show or stuff that I was involved in, you would think those would be the most prominent things. And I don't, sometimes I don't like, I know when people talk about other bits from the show and I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I swear to God, I don't remember any kind of fake proposal between Sam and, and his, his, it's something that I've heard referenced. So I, I could, I could also have heard something wrong, but, uh, you I probably yeah. are right. I wouldn't, I'm now curious. I'm going to go and look on YouTube. Well, I, I need to, yeah, now, now I'm like, Oh, did I bring up something that didn't really, cause I've never heard it. I've just heard it mentioned. I remember the, Eastside Dave's whole proposal and wedding playing out on Ron and Fez. Like mm. that was a whole thing where he proposed to his, his, uh, well, his then wife at, at the time, um, on air. And then they had a big wedding at the hard rock in New York city where it became sort of like a Ron and Fez game show for their wedding. And there was a musical, like it was just an amazing you know, spectacle of nonsense. Uh, I don't for the life of me remember the Sam thing. I'm gonna have does to uh so does the does the nickname Iraq come from a good place or was it you you know a lot of radio nicknames a lot of times but you know like a perfect example would be Baba Booey. The fact right. that Gary Delabate's name became Baba Booey because he didn't know Baba Lu he didn't know Baba Louie's name or he yeah. just was wrong about it, you know. Uh, and that's like 30 plus years ago that that happens. So is, is, is Iraq a, a fun thing or is it like, oh, we're going to make fun of you? By Iraq's you a fun thing. Iraq okay. was something my, long before I was even doing radio, my cousin Keith used to call me that as a little kid. He'd go, Iraq, like that all the time. <laughs> I like that. Weird kind of sly, very soft-spoken kind of guy. And uh, almost a bit Matthew McConaughey in uh, Dazed and Confused. Confused. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. without being, without faking it or trying to be whatever, he just was one of these guys. He talked very low like that. Very soft-spoken guy, but he used to like, go, E-Rock, like that. And when I needed a different name on, on for O&A, um, I just said, well, you know, I'll just go with E-Rock because it plays off my original name and then that just stuck. So... Yeah, that came from a, from a good place. The other name I had was not from a good place. It was I kept using it because it was so ridiculous, but then it got to the point where it wasn't even usable anymore. So I just you know Iraq, it's the switch to Iraq was the, was the move. Yeah, well, and and obviously when I saw you know when it's the fact that it's your Twitter name Iraq Radio means that it must not be something that you hate, you know. But uh, no, uh, it would be switched all to Eric Nagel, but the guy who owns the Instagram refuses to. Uh, work a deal because i was trying to get i was just going to switch off once i left a uh, serious and everything i was going to switch everything just to being full name yeah sure the only platform i don't have right now is instagram and that's kind of key to a lot of things and uh yeah he won't give me the uh i tried to negotiate whatever and he just wound up blocking me so <laughs> guy in germany that has it and he's like i use this every day i'm like you post there's like six posts on this thing I'm like, yeah. come on, I'll, I'll make a deal. Let's work something out and everything. And then he, he wound up blocking me. So I I think later on, I wrote him from another account and uh, he never responded. So I was like, all right, this is a dead end. So one day I'll, I'll get that name back. I have it on everything else. I just don't have it for Instagram. And that's the one thing I'm trying to, because once I get that, then the E-Rock radio thing is all, is all going to go.
Yeah, I mean, I have the uh, Christian DMZ because that was our uh, the premium service for our our the Dennis Miller Zone was what it called was called for the radio show, and he was Dennis DMZ. So it's this weird thing that we had matching Twitter names, right. and I didn't get rid of it because I there there was no permutation of my name that I could get. Believe it or not, Christian Blatt was taken. So I couldn't use it. <laughs> There's That's a, a name on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, you would think so. Uh, and uh, so I, I just, it's like, well, that's what still what most, even to this day, that's what the majority of people know me from. So I've just kept it. But it's, uh, I've thought about changing it, but there's nothing that really makes sense. I guess if I ever got a job that was a, you know, a big one that wasn't with him, then maybe I would change it to whatever that was. Right. But uh, that hasn't, that hasn't happened so far. Just say DMZ what it really is. It's the military. Uh, what is it? The Demilitar- militarized zone. Yeah, exactly. Zone. Just say like, yeah, I, you know, I used to. I thought about serving, but I just took the handle instead. I, <laughs> I just know. took the handle instead. No, no, but now it sounds like stolen valor. Now that you pointed out, so I don't think I. I don't want to stolen handle at this point. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's definitely a stolen handle. So, uh, so you know, you end up on a show like that. Uh, you know, back to sort of the earlier thing. You know, are there times where you know you're like, oh, I'm like this level of you know, not famous, famous, but it's like, oh, people know stuff about me because I would run into it. I mean, you know, there was no visual component for the radio show. So people didn't really know what I looked like. But if we were doing a live event, people knew stuff about me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And and early on, I let I let listeners to the radio show be my friends on Facebook, which was a mistake. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that didn't last that long. Never do that. Uh, but uh, I was just like, oh, that person seems nice when they call in. Sure, why not? Cool. You know, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's why I have, I have two Facebooks, and uh, you know, uh, I don't have any of that stuff. All my stuff has uh, no association to anyone in my family. Has no association yeah. to real, like maybe some publicly known friends. But other sure. than that, nothing. No one I went to high school with. No, it's been that way since MySpace days. I never had. Uh, and I used to have family and ex-girlfriends complain that I what they weren't in my top eight, that they weren't <laughs> in my number one. I go, yes, there's a reason for that. Why are you ashamed? I'm like, no, well, I am now, but I'm not ashamed. <laughs> or of like, I can't let, I can't just open my life up to everybody, which all the, that's all everybody does now is their entire yeah. life is put out there in the sense of, or in the hopes that that they're going to be famous because of this, and this is going to make them rich, and this is going to make them popular, and this is going to lead to bigger and better things. And I don't under either nobody cares anymore, or I just don't understand how people have avoided not having their lives completely ruined by that. You got to have some things that are private, some things that are reserved, and people don't do that. I was since day one never had anything associated to anything that was important, and uh, I keep it that way to this day. No, and I think that that's uh, that's definitely the the smart thing to do because I think a lot of people don't do it that way, and it's like you know you can probably grow a following when it's it's more open, but then it creates headaches that you don't necessarily want, you know. And it's like you talk about what you want on on the show, you know. I mean, look at the fan base that we had for O and A, and what Howard has, and pretty much any of those talk radio shows for all their fan bases when those shows left or fell apart or whatever happened, they all turned very toxic. They all got very mad. It was like a jilted ex-girlfriend. They were really mad that the thing that they loved was gone or dead or whatever. And now it's their fault. And now I'm going to lash out, uh, lash back and lash out at you because you did this to me. So now I'm just going to destroy you and, and you ruin everything in your life because I loved it. And if nobody can have it, then no, if I can't have it, then nobody can. That's the mentality of a lot of these fan bases. And, uh, 
you know, I was always worried about that. Even when they liked us back in the day, at the yeah, high sure. stuff, it's just like, nobody's going to know where my family lives. No one's going to know where my parents are. No one's going to know any of this stuff because that's just dangerous. And then I've seen over time people who had, uh, you know, their siblings front and present or, or relationships or whatever people getting to, I'm like, I'm not having any of that. I'm glad I never did that. Yeah, no, that's smart. So, uh, you know, the, the show breaks up for real, uh, real you quick, know. one other thing I just want to tell you about, cause you're an LA guy. So mm-hmm. you understand this, the social media stuff. I, about several months ago, I got asked if I would be willing to talk to this podcast company out in LA and they were looking for a consultant for their shows and ways to improve the network and what have you. And I said, sure, I'll talk to them. Yeah, sure. Schedule a meeting. I have the meeting. And it all came down to that my social media wasn't good enough. (laughs) And that had nothing to do with what this job was supposed to be or what they were. I was told they were looking for. They told they told me it's like, well, you don't have enough. Like your your Twitter and your Instagram numbers are okay, but they're not where we're looking for. Uh, you're not present enough on your own social media. Like there's barely any photos of you. Uh, there's all this, and I'm sitting there. I go, why does this matter? Yeah, I'm talking to the lady there. I go, why does this matter at all? This doesn't matter for the job. It doesn't matter for. I said you're looking for somebody to promote your shit like a uh, like um, an influencer or something like that so that you don't have to do any of the work to develop your own stuff on this network this has nothing to do with improving the quality of the programming or the sales or any of this other stuff this was just a whole fucking bait and switch kind of thing and i just lost my shit on that and i hung yeah. up like being told that it's like well you're not present enough on your own social media what does that matter if i'm trying to fix your thing if if i have enough photos of me on my on my instagram I was floored. And then I told Zia about it. Yeah. She worked out in LA too. And she goes, I know she goes, this is what is happening. A lot of these networks and stuff are looking for people that already have built in audiences. And if it's not at a certain level, they think means you know success or money, then you're not hireable. It doesn't, nobody wants to build their own shit anymore. Networks and prop and companies used to want to have their own IP, their own properties that they would develop from, from the ground up. So that they could own everything, they could market everything, they could it would all be in-house and nobody could take that away from them. They don't do that anymore. Now they want to latch on to other people and kind of co-brand with them or take their brand. Like I have a license to use their brand and we're gonna sell it as if it's our own. That's what all this is now. It doesn't matter if you build your own shit, it just needs to be a name that you have a hundred, you know, thousand people on your social media that they can sell like like overpriced baggy tie-dyed sweatshirts with your logo on it and all this other stupid shit it doesn't matter what your skill set is or your talent is anymore yeah and you know sort of on the actual content level uh the first show that we did the first company that we did dennis's podcast with uh they were less interested in good guests than they were in guests with large social media followings and you know it was just like He's not going to have a good conversation with that person. Yeah, but look how many they look how many uh, you know. And by the way, that most of those people would never retweet or mention that they were going to be on your show anyway. Yeah. So you know, I I get to a certain extent when you need to push a product or something. I get that there there's yeah. a need for them, unfortunately. But to get a when you're asked to come in to do a job or they want to talk to you about doing a job, and it really has not, again. College didn't matter. Didn't matter your school stuff. Doesn't <laughs> right. even matter where you worked anymore. Now it's how many people are following you. Well, that you, you don't have enough to what we think we need to have. 
So um, unfortunately, this isn't going to work. And you're, it's like, we can't hire you because you don't have 100,000 people on, on Instagram. And the, like that has nothing to do with the products you're putting out and the shows that you're doing. It has nothing to do with it. It, it has something to do to promote it once they're done. But my job is not to promote it once it's done. My job is to get it to that point where here it's finished. You guys now do your marketing and your promotions for it. And that doesn't matter anymore. And no. this, and I didn't realize, I'm like, oh, it's a company in L.A. It's like, it's just a matter of time before New York starts th thinking this. Hopefully not. But this is such an L.A. thing to go through that it's like, well, this doesn't really add up to. That's not why you asked me to, for this meeting. That's not the job you were saying yeah. that was. Fuck you. And and I don't know any of their shows on that network. I'll tell you off the air. Who no, I, I'm fascinated because I want to hear about it. How, but how I've never heard of the company before that, and I haven't heard any of their stuff. <laughs> so, uh, Well, you know, it's sort of the, the great way to sort of uh, transition the conversation is, you know, you end up working in, and I mean this in the best place, you know, compound media and I guess medias is no the media is meant i heart media and compound media I'm oh i see you work on multiple medias yeah, yeah so compound media works in the way where it doesn't and i mean this in the best way possible it's not show busy it's great content but you don't feel like you know you you there's this exactly what you're talking about like oh yeah you know we really want eric to uh to work with us but uh you know if only he had uh you know a few hundred thousand more twitter followers right you know and i mean i'm sure that's the top down that's just you know not the way that uh, anthony sees things but i mean the content obviously is so great because you have this great mix all you know so many guests that we ended up having on with dennis but uh you know i would hear them over the years on other shows like aaron berg is great and i've known i've i'm familiar with don jameson forever going back to eddie trunk they had that I'm little sure. show on a vh1 classic with florentine you know and uh obviously and you know look i mean when that the first time I really actually sampled anything from compound was when Anthony was doing the show with Artie and I didn't, I didn't really know Dave, but I know that Dave was on that show and right. you know, Dave Landau's who we're talking about uh, Anthony's uh, co-host and just how funny he is. And it's like, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's just the, you know, Dennis would call it like sort of the, the murderer's row, like the 27 Yankees, just sort of like this great lineup. So it's gotta be great to kind of work on, you know, for this, this platform that you can feel, I don't know, you can feel good about what's what, what you're actually putting out there. Right. Uh, no, I hate them all. Worst mistake uh, yeah, of my life. Yes. Uh, no, it, it's a, it's an interesting concept with compound media. Cause he was also doing this right. Like he was just before everyone started doing their own things. Like there were yeah. very few people when Ant started his network in uh, August of uh, 14, where that people were doing this kind of thing, you know, the podcasts were, were still, a, were a thing. They were just getting their momentum around then even though they were, they've been out for almost almost eight years at that point, podcast yeah. being a regular thing. But the network side of not just having your own video podcast, but having a place where they would all be done together was he got in right before, like he developed this thing right before everyone else started to go, oh, you can do these kind of things. Yeah. Uh, even Rogan gives Anthony credit for uh, all the, a lot of the stuff that he's done, like to even do the podcast was because he would see the videos of uh, Anthony you know, late at night holding some kind of uh, automatic weapon while he was singing karaoke and then right. turning it on. And you know, like when something would happen on the news, he would just turn on his feed live and people could watch him on YouTube or wherever he was streaming from, from his basement, made a studio and just, you know, it was that easy if you had the right technology. So Rogan's like, well, look, he's doing it and I can do that. And then, you know, obviously Rogan's not the king of everything now. Yeah, sure. 
but he got in right uh, and figured all this out right before everyone else did. And the, the ability to do that, have this whole studio set up in New York where we can switch out the shows pretty easy and uh, all different kinds of programs. And then you're not regulated by anything. You know, it's not like in the days when we were on radio where we had the FCC regulations. So it was not only just you can't curse, but it was also the intent of the comments or the situation that was happening. Now on here, um, you could do and say whatever you want, pretty much. We're getting close to that area again with the FCC now because of big tech stuff where they deplatform and, and deregulate a lot of different things sure. where they can kick you off social media. They can kick you off of uh, uh, like Amazon owns the majority of the video servers now for a lot of uh, a lot of companies. So they could just turn that off, too, and said, oh, but violation of our agreement, you lost your whole thing. Now you can't even stream your stuff anymore. That's more dangerous. But in the meantime, while what Anthony's doing is behind a paywall, it's not free to everybody. We put certain clips out on YouTube that we think are okay, but everything else, they're like, "Why isn't this up there? Why isn't it there?" People always complain. There's a show on our network called In Hot Water. Very yeah. popular. Why aren't you putting any In Hot Water clips up there? Have you watched their show? You're obviously a fan of the show. We can't put that on YouTube. We can't. So, so there's there. people that want you to put up clips of Gino shaving Aaron's asshole uh, on the show. That Aaron uh, enjoying uh, the particular way he rides a bicycle. Yes. That up there. There's uh, <laughs> there's constantly they, they, they do a bit called Cookie Boy, which <laughs> is always talking to a crowd of children and then something inappropriate happens that can't even be put up there. Yeah. Like there's a lot of stuff that can't be done. Uh, can't be put up on other streaming things, but it's being done. No, uh, and, then, and, and I mean, that's a lot of that is stuff that you wouldn't have been able to do on Sirius or XM, much less both of them combined. You know, I mean, a lot of that stuff. I mean, first of all, there's video, but it's also like, you know, once there's corporate, there's suits involved. There's like new stuff. You can't do it's everything now. It's not even a matter of artistic expression or freedom of speech or all that stuff where everybody likes to complain about its sales. There used to be a thing in radio and in television. You had the sales department and you had the programming department and the two would meet at the general manager for a meeting, whatever, but one didn't necessarily dictate the other. It would be like whatever programming's putting on there, can you sell that and make the money because of what they're doing? Or if a sale came in and they're looking to do something with programming, maybe you make concessions and then you do a little stuff for the sales, whatever. Now it's we sold Coca-Cola, we sold Budweiser, whatever thing. Your shows now have to be like this and you have to do this kind of programming. That, that's where it all it comes down to. And now, with, like we said, with the tech stuff, it doesn't even matter what the sales are doing. You could be selling yeah. through the roof if they don't like if for some reason somebody's butthurt politically or, or some kind of morality stance or whatever it could be that to upset somebody. If they don't like your show and they make a big enough stink, a company will just go, well, we're going to lose our server or we're going to lose this or whatever. We got to fire you and you can't operate like that anymore. So um, it's a rough balance. I mean, between doing the show, I, the radio show I do for iHeart and then doing um, all the compound stuff, all the shows they do over there. Um, and I'm just handling operations and everything for that. It's a weird balancing act because you can do stuff over here, but I can't do it over here. There's stuff I over here, but I can't do it over here. And that's just where it's all going to be to the point where if it gets so out of hand, we're all going to do like what compound media does. We're all going to start these, these things and build up their own paywall services and do it there because you're not going to get programming on TV anymore. You're not going to get you know movies and stuff like that where you're going to have to pay a subscription fee to watch anything that you want to watch anymore. 
hopefully yeah, go that way, but it looks like it is. Uh, I wanted to uh, bring in this comment from a little while ago from Cami Egan, who is a fan of Would You Kindly and enjoys listening to it. And I wanted That's you to uh, take a moment. No. <laughs> no one likes that show. No, uh, like I want to just don't watch it. Uh, I wanted you to uh, take a moment to uh, talk about what that show is and how it came about. Uh, I think it's uh, it's sort of fascinating. You know, the Would You Kindly is um, it's a talk show. Pretty much. It's just two grumpy guys uh, to quote the Simpsons. Uh, old man yells at cloud. That's pretty much <laughs> two old right. men. Oh, not old men, but it's two guys uh, yelling at a cloud. And we just come on there. We talk about things going on. We talk about our disgust and, and our annoyances. It's uh, what could be considered boomer talk by non-boomers, you know? So yeah. we sit there and we, we complain and we, we talk about the ridiculousness of, of how things get exaggerated or how things uh, people get upset over the dumbest stuff. And uh, one of the things when I got brought over to Compound, Keith wanted me to bring my show from Sirius over there. And my staff didn't want to go to compound. So we got iHeart like three day, three weeks after leaving Sirius, iHeart came around and we went there. So that was not going to happen. And uh, eventually at some point he goes, you know, we wanted you to do a show here. You haven't done any show here. I'm just doing all the operation stuff. So I figured out, I'm like, all right, I'll, who do I want to do a show with? And everybody else was either working or didn't want to do stuff over there and and uh, I called my friend Brian Johnson. I'm like, you know, you like doing these shows I, and you like being a guest on things like you want to do your own because he's he does a very popular podcast called Tell Him Steve Dave. And I said, do you want to do something like this with a video element? Sure. And then we we kicked around some ideas, test around with it, and then we just started doing it. And now it's just what are we going to complain about today or what's going to be our annoyance today? It's not going into politics. It's not going into hate stuff. It's not going into religion or any of these things. It's just talking about things that are going on and commenting on the world around you and going, this is ridiculous. Why are people doing this? Why these problems wouldn't happen if you did this? You know, it's that kind of analysis on uh, on just stupid things. Anything that's not important is what we want to talk about. Yeah. And I mean, I think people know Brian johnson from you know uh, various you know kevin smith endeavors he's a bit surly people yeah like, yeah yeah and and you know the 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 beard is out of hand at this point you know but that's uh, never going away that's his uh no no i i, I don't want it to <laughs> but uh yeah and and i know that uh you've had our, our mutual friend zia on there a few times and uh you know, brian's it, become a fan of zia like yeah, the, it, the world they've all become a fan of zia yeah and uh so yeah, every now and then uh, he'll like, let's get Zia back on. I was like, <laughs> yeah, fine. I love Zia. Zia is great to talk to, but it's just I roll my eyes whenever. It's like, can we get Zia on? Yeah, it's like, okay. it, what, what? I'm not good enough for you. Well, you know, it was no, her I'm birthday. It was you her birthday. To... It was her birthday yesterday. So I right. feel like we should say something nice to her. But I'm going to start off by saying something mean to her, uh, because uh, I'll make sure she says that's it. the relationship you two. That's have. yeah. We really we've right. really cultivated that over the years. And uh, the first thing I texted her was, uh, how does it? feel and she's like what's that to have aged out of ice cream because nobody has 32 flavors and uh <laughs> because when when she told chip that he was 31 uh that she was 31 uh that you know jim obviously had a just a great reaction he's just like oh time to go <laughs> but she you look at her you think she's like 24 you know because that was an old o and a bit by the way too that was uh if a girl called in or something and that was anthony's thing if they were on the phone Oh yeah. 
like that. And she's like, oh, this is great going on. Whatever's going on. How old are you? She goes, well, I'm 27. The phone would hang up. You know, that would be yeah. the old thing. Uh, Rock is trying to pile up and he says he is trash. Am I right? And, you know, that's that's what we've said. We refer to it. The reason why Z and I get along is because we're both trash people. Uh, you know, and uh, just sort of a, a similar upgrade uh, upbringing. But I wanted to give you a moment to talk about what you like about doing a show with Zia, because I feel like she deserves a gift from us on her birthday that doesn't involve actual. Tried, hold on. No, I'm not doing that because I tried to give her a gift and she kept telling me no. <laughs> and I, said, I can't remember how old you are. And I wasn't joking with her. And I'm like, are you this age or this age? And she goes, I rather not say. So I said, all right. And I said, well, what? What do you want for your birthday? Oh, I don't need anything for my birthday. Thank you, whatever. Then some time goes by, and then she sends me a text, and she goes, "Well, I could. I really would like a gift card from this place, so I can <laughs> the gift card I have to this place." And I just start laughing. I'm like, "That is, that's her. That's that." I mean, look, it, you know what? It it warrants bringing it right back up here. That's a trash person. That's uh, that's. <laughs> no, but what? Zia's Zia's fun. Zia has a lot of amazing stories. Uh, for a, like technically, Zia shouldn't be alive. No, half the stories that she has, and it's fascinating. I didn't have that kind of life growing up, no. so I don't. I can't just pull a lot of bizarre shit that she constantly just rambles out like it's no big deal. Like you know, she used to run around barefoot and play on the side of a volcano. You're like, wait, what? And she yes. goes, yeah, that's what we did all the time. One time, I woke up drunk in this place. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's most, most people don't have the story where their grandmother used to affectionately call them junior slut, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you look at her and you figure like, oh, this girl grew up in Hawaii. So she's such an anomaly. But what I always found and, you know, the reason why I hit it off with her right away when we started doing shows at After Buzz is that even if she doesn't know what to say, she's going to roll with it. You know, yeah. and sometimes, you you know, look, you do enough shows with people. You have people who are good at it and you have people who are like, wait, what? And I'm like, no, that's not what works. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like you don't have to take an improv class to know to always affirm, you know, and just just go with it. And, you know, some of the stuff that uh, that that Jim does is chip is so preposterous, but I've never watched it and just, you know, and had that. Ooh, moment where I'm like, oh yeah, you tried too hard, you know. And I think that uh, that's probably what people like about her is that she's she's genuine, you know. She doesn't try too hard. She doesn't. Uh, she doesn't try to nudge herself into the conversation. In fact, there's times where you're yelling at her to like say something. Yeah. She's like, all right, all right, and then and, like she pops in. She she'll talk. She just never wants to overstep her bounds. Um, when I first started talking with her, and then I like it was a weird connection. I'm like, it was, it felt kind of cool. I'm like, do you want to come do our show sometime? And she did. And then I was like, she fit in really well. Like she was really good at this. And then over time, I just kept having her back on. I'm like, do you want the slot here? He will bring you on the show. And she said, yeah. So she became a permanent part of our show. And then everyone, everyone who found out about her through our show, um, all of a sudden, like everybody was just instantly, um, you know, drawn in by her. Yeah. So it got to the point where I remember Keith and Anthony, like, who's the girl that's on your show? Why don't you bring her on to this show? I'm like, she's <laughs> out in Los Angeles. She's not coming on to this show or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And then um, she had done chip once out in LA. Yeah. I remember and Jim had me on and he was like, I think he was in a pinch for something. And he's like, do you know any other people that maybe we could do? I'm like, do you remember this girl? She did your show out in LA at after buzz. 
um she's doing my show now i think she would she would really really good if you want to do it again so he had her on again and then that's all it took because the door yeah. was open and then she's like at one point she was going five times in a row yeah so and then i had to tell him like you have a show here we have to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, they do it at the same time we did the show um but uh yeah she's really she's become a superstar over in that world and it's uh, i've seen it translate over to her streaming and and uh her project and everything the fan base is building up over there and why wouldn't they you know she's a petite pretty girl who um like you said is, is a trash person has <laughs> very uh <laughs> trashy commentary and, and the way like she lays on an island in her kitchen while she's eating ice cream and then has a sugar coma and passes out and there's nothing <laughs> like about this girl you know she's fantastic. yeah and look, I, I worked with a lot of people sort of, you know, that are in an age range that's, uh, let's just say, uh, a, a generation after me uh, right. over at After Buzz. And you had people who were more polished and, you know, they handled themselves in a certain way. And um, none of them were anywhere near as fun to do a show with as her because, no. you know, and most importantly, if she hated something, well, she was going to tell you. You know, and so she had a she had a problem doing the I guess it was the first Jodie Whittaker Doctor Who season because she did not like that show. And everybody else on the panel was talking about how great it was. And she's like, I not don't know. No, um, she I think that's what she loved on my thing, because I was a huge Doctor Who fan until it got to the Jodie Whittaker and Chris Ch uh, Chibnall. Yeah. Run. And I don't even blame her that much. I, I really I don't, don't because I, I think that there's a handful of episodes out of what she's been in 20 or I don't know, 22 or whatever they've had. And I'd say there's five of them that are probably pretty good. And if you switched out a different doctor, you'd be like, this would still be very good. So it's right. not her, but it's like, well, we're going to meet Rosa Parks and we're going to have. No, that Martin episode wasn't even a Doctor Who episode. That was a Quantum Leap episode. <laughs> it was a Quantum Leap. Back in time to prevent somebody else from changing history. Look, Chibnall wrote a Quantum Leap spec in 1990. He needed to use it. All right. The, obviously. <laughs> no, I hate that, man. I Look, people used to hate Stephen Moffat when he was sure. the runner for, for Doctor Who. I never could understand the hatred for it because they were like, oh, he ruined all this stuff. And if you look back on it, he made look. He made some adjustments to things, but for the most part, he tied a lot of stuff back into history, especially yeah. towards the end of the Matt Smith run and, and and the Peter Capaldi run, where a lot of stuff was interlocking. It was making sense and what have you. Chibnall taking it just became this woke fucking super progressive nonsense. And Doctor Who was always very progressive. This is what people yeah. understand. There wasn't a conservative show. It was not um a very um um you know male driven show any of that stuff the doctor was either had a bunch of different roles he was either uh had like a brother sister relationship with a companion it was a father daughter kind of relationship with the companion it could be complete opposites that sort of worked out or it could be something where like is a uh, almost a romantic will they won't they kind of thing and it never does but like there were different characteristics of to why that show worked when you brought her in they eliminated those characteristics there was no like uh, would there be something that she took on a motherly role? Would there be something that she took on like a, almost a flirtatious role with a guy? Was there something where, you know, she was this badass kind of woman um, when the doctor used to be, you know, angry and be a bit of an asshole. And then somebody would come in and then balance them out again like that. They didn't do any of that. She was weak. She can't do anything without other people. She's afraid if people leave her, which was you're racing 50 plus something years of that history where that guy did not want anybody around him and then warmed up to people. Yeah. And, uh, it just became super 
messagey. Like there were too many messages and everybody was the fam. We're not companions. We're all on equal levels and we're all this stuff. It's like, doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're getting, they wiped off. Why am I going in Doctor Who? It's just this whole fan base. They, they said, fuck you to the entire fan base and then turn it into this, you know, YouTube drivel shit. She hated the show. I kept talk, trying to get her to watch it so she could hate it and hate it along with me. She would not do it. That's how much she hated That's how much she program. hated it. Yeah. yeah. No, I even no. Let's go back and watch these episodes together and then do a little podcast where we talk about everything that's wrong with this stuff. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, of course. She goes, I don't even want to give them the attention. Like, <laughs> like she's going to thwart Doctor Who by giving them attention. She's very, very um, not stuck to her morals because she doesn't have any. She's very opinionated and sticks very set in her ways in yeah. her stance on what things are. And she's great to talk to. A lot of those other girls I know at After Buzz and other places, they're all, you know, very LA. They're all worried about their social media numbers and doing this and all these other things. She only really recently started to realize the social media game. Like she's figuring that out the last couple of years, but not at the expense of who she is and what she's doing. You know, she doesn't curb her personality in order to get the numbers up like that. Yeah. And I think a lot of those people, you'll you'll talk to them off the air and you're like, you know, you're off the air right now. You don't have to actually like carry yourself and, you know, speak in that way. There's there's no camera here. And uh, yeah, she's always the same. You know, sometimes uh, she she should, you know, sit up straight a little bit more on camera. But uh, yeah. And and look, we could uh, dive into, well, any and all of this again. But uh, just the the quick thing with Doctor Who, the point you were making is that like, an episode that wouldn't even have been the worst. There's usually the tacked on message after the world, uh, after the end, where it's like, and you know, we're doing this to the earth. That's what could have happened, you know? And you're like, yeah, we get it. We, we you didn't have to hit us. We, we know what you're trying to say. Like, you don't have to actually then spell it out. And uh, it, it makes it not that fun to watch. Uh, I think that uh, there's, there's still times where it can be entertaining. And in general, I like her, but now it's like, oh, let's take away everybody else on the show and just keep you with the least interesting of your companions going yeah, forward. And people praise that. I mean, the actress, I'm not shitting on the actress herself. No, she's just, it's just not a well-written character. The character, this Yaz character Yaz. has done nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. has been an afterthought. Like when things would calm down you're like, oh yeah, she's there too. That's what you would forget. And then in the last few episodes, there everyone had to have their one private moment with her, giving her the speech about how strong she is, and how amazing she is, and like this fucking you know, um, this uh, schmooze fest of of boosting her ego and telling her how important she is, whatever it does. And then she does nothing. There's yeah. nothing to do with her. And then finally, the last one with when Jack Harkness came back, Captain Jack was telling her, and it's like you got to stop thinking when because she was all upset and. and all this is about me and about me. And he goes, you got to stop thinking about you. It's not about you, which was the only brilliant thing that I thought in that last episode is that they were telling the audience to stop making this about you. This isn't yeah. about you. It's about everything else. It's like the doctor will leave when you least expect it. And then you have no say in it. So that's what life is like. Enjoy it now because when it's gone, it's gone and you can't do anything about it. Stop making this all about you and how, and that everything is going to ruin you. Exactly. And, you know, just like uh, just like the doctor, uh, the, the black cast will be gone one day. But uh, we uh, appreciate you spending so much time with me. Uh, you know, the, the way that my show works is wow. that an hour. Yeah. An hour is an hour, 43 minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Sorry yeah. for wasting all your time out there. Everybody. No, no, no. This I is a short donations back. I totally understand. This is a this is a short one uh, for for us really. So uh, don't don't worry about it at all. But uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. And there's uh, so many other things. You know, we could have really gotten into the weeds on some of this other stuff that uh, we'll I do another I, episode somewhere down the line. I would be happy I'll to pull so. a Dennis Miller in about a month. Like, hey, do you want to do that episode? Like, oh, we talked to each other. Yeah, last month. <laughs> yeah, like, what, oh, are, okay. what are we talking about? Uh, so let everybody know where they can find everything and uh, uh you can see right here on the screen there uh iraq uh, radio on twitter instagram uh you can follow my show uh at it's eric nagel on twitter and instagram facebook as well and youtube is the video version of the radio show the radio show is on iheart radio but you can get it uh iheart spotify pandora apple google podcast anywhere you get your podcast you can even say on uh, Alexa, uh, play the program, uh, play the It's Eric Nagel show, and it'll play for you there, the most recent episode. So that's all that stuff. Video, like I said, is on YouTube. And for Would You Kindly is on compoundmedia.com. It's a subscription service. So if you want to see it live or, uh, you know, the, the day that it's supposed to come out, it's up on uh, Compound Media. But then a week later, it's going to be available on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, Would You Kindly show on YouTube if you want to subscribe to those. And, uh, I think that's it think that's yeah it. and uh, obviously compound has uh all the shows that we referenced you know i mean the anthony and dave landau have the, with dave landau in yeah. hot water with uh, aaron berg and gino Bisconte. yeah there's a lot of good programs there's there. a lot of great stuff over there and uh you know uh, and uh I, I i basically got to know don jameson from having you know like uh, we we would text sometimes because it's like oh you had rob halford running judas priest on with dennis i'm gonna have him on next week you know it was a lot of like hey you're stealing my guests so uh but uh, uh, he's he's a great guy to talk to and it's a fun show you know uh all, all of them are so uh, how's dennis doing before you go is he doing dennis, all right? he, he's fun you know he he has a tv show that i think people forget that he has it's the same platform that uh, larry king was on uh aura tv uh it's also on something called portable uh rt america it can be found in sort of all these oh, yeah, RT america. Yeah. yeah so it's called dennis miller plus one and you know he just does a one-on-one -on -one interview show and obviously it looks just like the video version of this it's uh everything's being done remotely right now yeah so uh but i mean i think that that was the best part of doing a podcast with him versus doing a radio was just he's he's a very good interviewer he has great conversations with people and you know like terrestrial old-fashioned radio interviews are the worst. Yeah. You, if you keep, even if you keep somebody for an hour, it's like a couple of eight-minute segments with like five minutes in the middle, and it's very hard to have any kind of flow. So you know, I always preferred when we would pre-tape shows and we would just do the hour interview, you know, in a straight shot of whatever it was, thirty-six minutes. I've got to the point now where, unless it's somebody I'm really interested in, the interviews. I mean um i'll listen to them it's it's fine I, you know this you gotta pass time some some way but sure when you find a host you find a show that's really interesting you tune in and listen to like i loved the first half of dennis's podcast where he would come in he'd say hi to you what was going on he he's pontificating about things going on in the world and then uh you know you would have your commercials or whatever and then you'd go into an interview and then depending on who the interview was is, you know, if I listened to it, I went to the next one, no offense, but yeah, that's like fine. every podcast there. But I loved his, that first part of the show where he would just come on and just rattle off thoughts and, 
be silly. Like that's yeah. the thing that a lot of people forget. Radio is a powerful tool because you can talk to people. People can listen to it and they get connected. They feel like they're part of it. They feel like uh, not in the crazy way that you're talking to me, but they feel like you're, you know, you're talking to me. Like we're having a conversation with this person and you sort of, you, you get addicted to that. You get a, um, it becomes part of your routine. You, it becomes something you just need to do all the time. It's like, oh, I need to listen to that show because I want to hear no matter what's going on, what I want to hear what his take is on and these things. But people forget that to when you can enjoy it too. It doesn't always have to be preachy. doesn't always have to be some kind of political stance or a platform. You can go and be silly. There are plenty yeah. of times where I listen to Dennis where he'd be going and go, and then you go like, wait, what was I talking about again? And he'd talk to you and then you'd have to bring him back in there and yeah. tell him where he was. Oh yeah, I was doing that. But I love that when you can get flighty and you just get lost in your conversation, that's a genuine um, presentation of yourself. That's a, that's a genuine thing that a human being can connect to. And you sit there and just listening to it. It's like, what is Dennis talking about? Yeah. And look, and as somebody who, right back. Yeah. As somebody who like knows him off the air, he was giving you him, you know, in, in those moments, it's the way he talks it's the way he thinks. And, you know, look, that is, that was just, it's always been a thrill. Like over the course of uh, throughout the course of 17 years, I've worked with him for the majority of that time in various roles. And that's sort of the other thing that I would say to when I would actually be allowed to talk to, you know, impressionable young college age kids is like at a certain point, in my life, I'm like, oh, I want to grow up and be Dennis Miller. And at a certain point, you realize, like, oh, I can't do that. But to work feed, you have to read yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't have the time. You know, there's too much TV to watch. There's too many bad episodes of Doctor Who to watch. So what I would do instead is the idea that I got to just just writing jokes at one point when I was uh, when I was a PA on his TV show for CNBC. Like that was enough. But then you know, years later what I end up being not just the producer, but co-hosting a radio show and a podcast. And I'm like, Oh, I make that guy laugh a couple times a week. That's, that's yeah. a crazy job. So, you, you know, the idea is like, Oh, just manage what your expectations are. You know, if you think like, Oh, I want to be this person. Well, maybe you want to like work with that person, you know, instead of trying to, you know, seize, seize that brass ring. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's always been a thrill. And then when people, I don't know, when people don't listen, I'm always like, well, I, I don't think you get why, it works. Like, you know, people are like, Oh, what happened to him? Why isn't he funny anymore? I'm like, have you heard him? Because he's still like, you know, got such an incredibly sharp mind. And, uh, you know, it was always, uh, just to be sitting there and, and look, even before pandemic, I was never in the same room as him, you know? So it, uh, that it didn't change our chemistry at all. It, uh, yeah. you know, it just sort of made it easier. You know, I, in all honesty. I think a lot of the thing with, with Dennis too, cause I mean, I love his stuff, but I think his own success kind of overshadowed, him mm -hmm. uh, because when you talk about dennis miller they think oh uh i don't want to go off on a rant here like his hbo show which was hugely popular he would do the rant stuff so everyone thinks oh he's just the you know the preset rant guy or he would be the guy who uh it's like oh he makes all those references i don't get yeah it's like, well yeah sometimes it's a little over your head but how else are you going to, you know, you, you could learn from it too like when you don't know the references that doesn't mean that you're that you're an idiot or that he's terrible it's just like all right i'm gonna go look up and see what he's talking about poseidon let me go look this up and, and yeah say, oh okay now i know what it is you learn something and, from this and stuff. when it's the reference that you do know you're like oh my god he's talking to me and that's what i always loved yeah, about oh that, god, that show yeah, that that show mystery science theater 3000 they have so many jokes packed into while they watch bad movies so many of those jokes i'm like 
that's the most inside thing I've ever heard. And that was just on broadcast television. You know, oh, yeah. I, I love that level of, uh, of humor. Well, uh, Eric, uh, I very much appreciate, uh, we basically did two shows here. Uh, so, uh, thank you. And I ruined uh, both of them. <laughs> no, no, that they've, you definitely elevated us. So, uh, uh, for everybody, uh, watching and listening, of course, this is Blackcast 419 and, uh, it's uh, almost embarrassing to have to promote in front of a professional that, uh, next episode will be Blackcast 420. And yes, we're going to do something in that theme, but we're not going to do the episode live. Here, you know, wait. Just, just in case. You don't have to say it in front of me now. <laughs> no, no, you can't see me because you clicked off the camera. Right. So uh, we'll uh, make sure that people see that, uh, you know, a little bit down the road. That will be our next episode. But uh, let us know what you thought of this conversation. You can comment on the video or you can tweet me at Christian DMZ. Also on Instagram like the black cast on Facebook and uh, on our YouTube channel, you can find all the other shows that we do here, the aforementioned Biden time and uh, Marvel movie talk and uh, whatever else uh, we have. I had a, uh, you know, tomorrow is February 3rd and uh, February 3rd, 1959. That was the day the music died. I had a great conversation with Don McLean that we uh, posted yesterday on the video version. You'll hear oh, the nice. audio in a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that my favorite takeaway from that, I'll spoil it for people. He patented the phrase American pie in the year 1986. So do you want to guess somebody who thought they didn't have to give him any money who then had to pay him a lot of money? That would be the uh, company that made the movies. Yes. They were convinced that their usage was different and it was not. And so every direct to video sequel that they did that was a few hundred thousand dollars directly into don mclean's bank brilliant, man look brilliant he, the, the fact that he got away with it remember when uh, gene simmons tried to trademark the, <laughs> the, the money bag the bag yeah, with the oh, sign on it yeah that's right he did and they're that. like they've been using that in cartoons since the 20s when bugs yeah. bunny was playing on newsreels you can't copyright that but nobody, I guess nobody was using American pie and he trademarked it. More power to him. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, no, no, absolutely. So uh, check that out. And uh, we appreciate everybody. We loved having everybody in the chat. And uh, we will see you next time on the Blackcast.